Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. But this week on the show, we're talking about the 50 movies of Cap. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and I'm joined by my co-host through these past 50 movies, Cody Webb. Cody, how are we doing? Doing great, man. A great intro from you, per usual. It should be a fun episode, I think. Maybe get a little nostalgic, but uh, yeah, it's pretty insane. We've done, you know, 50 different movies. Uh, throughout this time and uh, i think it's gonna be fun going back but uh yeah how you doing man good man and it's definitely cool as we reach kind of this catch me if you can was our 50th movie that we've done i think we've done like 75 episodes it, it it's a lot of fun and it's cool to kind of look back and and reminisce a little bit on on some of the movies we've talked about um what we're going to be doing today is at the end of every episode we do our ranking out of from 1 to 69 we score the movie we both do it so we're going to go back and we're going to look at that those rankings and we're going to basically find what is the 50th movie all the way to the the favorite movie of Cap based on our our average ranking that we've been giving. Um, we're not re-ranking or changing these at all. This is just what did we rate when we saw the movie and when we did it. So we just have to trust in our our judgments at the time of recording. The only thing we will be doing is breaking ties as they come up. So uh yeah, I'm excited to do that. And then after that, we're going to be giving out some awards, which should be a lot of fun as well. Absolutely. And yeah, I think it's it's going to be fun to go back, especially like in some of our early season episodes, just see like where our ratings stand now. Do we still like agree with those ratings? But yeah, it should be a lot of fun, I think. I almost guarantee that uh, we will not agree with everything we say, but that's the beauty of it. We're sticking to our guns. We're, we're, we're standing up for our past selves. And uh, these are the 50 movies of Cap. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, the awards we're going to give out later are our best actor performance, best actress performance, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best child performance, best directed movie, best written movie, best shot movie, best music, most underrated movie, most overrated movie, best date movie, best movie to watch in a theater, and most rewatchable movie. Lovely. A lot of good categories there. I mean, we're kind of doing like a mini Oscars for just like our cat movies, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. And um, I'm sure those categories will be highly debated as well. I mean, you can go so many different directions with, with 50, you know, I wouldn't say decent movies, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of that. But yeah, I'm excited to, to see what you have for those categories. For sure. And, you know, I do want to say, technically, we have watched 51 movies for the podcast, but there's the hidden, the secret lost episode that never happened. <laughs> we watched the movie and then because of scheduling, we just never able or never able to record it. Six Balloons is the title of that film. Uh, maybe in the next 50, we'll, we'll finally get around to it. But that's true. That's just great lore there, I think. Uh, the, the hidden episode. But uh, I mean, also we have we've contactless that can be thrown in as well, cat movies as well coming off my solo pod. Well, but, I actually, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about uh, it. Cody, I loved the episode. It was fantastic. Yeah. If, you, if you're listening to this you. and you haven't listened to, to Cody's solo pod, it comes in right about 30 minutes. So it's real easy listen. Obviously, I'm going to love it because it's basically him praising me for 30 minutes, <laughs> shouting out shouting out my short film contact list. But it's actually a really great episode. And I liked a lot of the stuff you talked about. You picked up on some great stuff. And there's a lot of stuff. I, I feel like I, I want to discuss further with you. So maybe down the line, we'll do a more extended uh, look with 
because you, you had some questions and I, I'd love to answer them for you later. Yeah, I didn't have all the insider information really. Um, so I was incorrect on a couple things as well. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be super fun doing another episode, going back and looking at it further. But yeah, like you said, if you haven't um, seen that episode, go check it out. Also, if you haven't checked out Corbin's short film, go check it out. Also super short, but yeah, that, that whatever you want to call it, the video, the link of the week. Go fucking watch a short film, right? If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get you guys to watch this thing. But uh, yeah, I had a ton of fun doing that solo pod. Definitely check that out too. And um, if you notice, my audio is a little different too. I actually left my AirPods, I think, at the place, old home, where I was doing the solo pod at. So uh, rip that, you know, even though, you know, I tried to put in the work, you know, something still came back to bite me. So apologies about the audio this week, but we should be back to normal next week. Anywho. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. The 50 movies of Cap. We're going to start at 50 and go down to one. You know, list making is very popular right now. I think there's a little bit of an art to it. Sight and Sound just released their top 100 films of all time. But here's our top 50 of movies we've talked about. Coming in at number 50, this probably is no surprise. It's The Wrong Missy. Cody, do you think this is the worst movie? You know, personally, I would say no. (laughs) But uh well we'll get into the other ones as well but the wrong missy i think it's a great place to start and it is ranked 50 but i think it was one of my more favorite episodes just because we had a great guest and i think it actually got like a decent amount of views so i don't know if uh looking back at our our spotify wrapped it was one of the it was like the episode that got the most new listeners so shout out to emmy for bringing in the people big shout out emmy mclaughlin yeah roped a bunch of people listen if you appreciate but I think it was a fun episode too. Like it's it's kind of a, a weird comedy. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stupid stuff. And sometimes those are my favorite episodes where we do like, you know, the obvious bad movies. But um, yeah, I, our score rating for this, I don't know if you said it, 21 and a half, obviously on average. And my rating was actually 34. And Corbett's rating was nine. So I, I think you, you didn't enjoy this movie. Um, and too many facets but would, would you say this is probably your least favorite movie we've done yeah i mean it's definitely for me it's the one i ranked <laughs> the lowest so that kind of explains uh why it is so low i did not include guest rankings in this list i wanted to be purely our top 50 emmy did give it a 40 which would have bumped it up a little <laughs> higher but uh for me this this is the worst one it's not the last sandler or at least happy madison production that we'll get to uh, as the list goes on but I think we'll move on to our 49th film which is your least favorite (laughs) and that's Chicken Little Um, another fun one you know these bad movies are fun to talk about I obviously this is like an old classic childhood favorite for me but you were very against this movie when we talked about it yeah absolutely this is this is my worst movie by far and um yeah I gave this rating I mean excuse me I gave this movie a rating of 10 which was just one higher than you for the wrong Missy. You gave it a 36. So it came around to 23 in the average. Yeah, I think it's funny. You even just said, I think, that this is a bad movie, which uh, I'm surprised you'd even say that. It's an absolute abomination. Obviously, it's a kid's flick, whatever. But uh, this would be the one where I'd be like, actually, do not watch this movie because it's terrible. (laughs) Maybe I just have personal beef with Chicken Little. I don't know. But yeah, don't check it out. And, And we are actually breaking this list into some tiers and we're calling these bottom 10 films the don't watch the movie just listen to the pod instead so 
you don't need to watch the wrong Missy. You don't need to watch Chicken Little. Just listen to our pod because it covers everything. I think you can want to know about these movies. Oh yeah, and uh, you know the bottom ten. I feel like maybe we're hating on them a little bit, but I mean these bottom tier ones like don't actually watch these movies. <laughs> but, the episode's fun because we get to riff into it, and you know I recommend that. Uh, that's why it's in the listen to the pod instead. But yeah, we got we did we have done some stingers on on this pod, so I would not recommend them. You know, sometimes these these bad movie episodes are some of my favorites to record. Like you said, getting to rip into the movies, getting to kind of talk critically when a movie's great and we love everything about it. It's almost you know a little bit harder <laughs> to discuss to a certain degree. So I definitely appreciate these ones. And as we get into our forty eighth movie. There's another uh, a classic uh, Happy Madison production with Paul Blart, which came in at a 27 and a half. Great guest for this episode, Ben Smith. Maybe our uh, guest with the hottest takes besides yourself, of course, Cody. Uh, ben Smith was a great one to talk Blart with. True. That was the perfect guest, I think, for that. For that specific one. And uh, this is the first one in, in season four. So this is the, it's got to be the worst of season four, even at the end of the season, I would guess just based off that 27 and a half rating. But yeah, I was a little bit lower. I gave it a 20. You actually gave this a 35, which was pretty similar to Chicken Little, uh, which I, I was kind of surprised by. But I, this definitely deserve, deserves to be, I think, uh, like at the bottom three, at least. I, obviously, I would put the wrong Missy above this, but I think Paul Blart is probably like the worst comedy we've done on this on the show pretty easily. I think I rated Paul Blart so highly just because I thought it held up better than I expected. Like I went in with such low expectations having watched it and it kind of surprised me. So I gave it the 35. 47, another guest episode. The guests really bring in the bad movies, I think. Yeah. Um, but a fun episode to, to talk about a young Haley Steinfeld. Uh, that's Ender's Game with a score of 35 for 47. Yeah, absolutely. And um, spoiler alert, I'm not nominating Haley Steinfeld for for best supporting actress for this movie. Uh, this movie's an abom- abomination. If I'm being completely honest. I don't know. I rated it at 39. Not sure how I got there because I don't remember too much about this movie. Even though obviously this was Harrison Ford's in it. Ago. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was Butterboy, but um, I don't think anybody's particularly good. I think actually, um, oh, uh, what, what's the bald guy's name in that movie? Uh, <laughs> Ben Kingsley is he in yeah, ben Kingsley, the Mandarin? Ben Kingsley has like one scene and he's good. I think that's why I Oscar winner Ben Kingsley. True, but uh, this is another one like I'd recommend, like one of our better episodes. I think another great guest with Austin, and um, I think it was just a lot of fun like ripping this movie to shreds. So yeah, definitely recommend it. All right, you want to take it away with the uh, forty six, Cody? Absolutely. And uh, moving on to the next one, we're going back to season three again for another guest pick. And that's going to be Jurassic World. Obviously, we had a great guest, Jacob Spassi. And uh, he rated a little bit higher than us. Our average score was 37, with me at 41 and you at 33. But, yeah, I think that we're kind of getting to more of the mid-tier stuff. I would definitely still not recommend this movie uh, for anybody to watch. But, like, cinematically, this, this is a better experience than most of the other ones we've talked about, I think. This movie is the most popular one up to this point. The Jurassic World made 
a billion plus dollars at, at the box office, had one of the biggest opening weekends of all time when it opened. Um, and this was a well listened to episode, but just not a great movie, kind of sexist, poorly written and, and doesn't live up to the uh, Jurassic Park franchise legacy. True. And uh, I'm not sure if you'd nominated anything for this movie, but the one I surely did nominate for was uh, Best Child Performance, <laughs> just, just because that one creepy kid is so weird and it's out of context for the movie but uh yeah i don't think i had any nominations for this one sadly but i say we move swiftly on to number 45 which was one of the more more interesting upsets and that would be uh stalker obviously this was pushed upon us by uh rcr themselves shout out the boys jackson and carter you know we lost them in trivia back in season three and they made us do a piece on this and uh, I'll tell you what, I really dislike this movie. Um, I gave it a 25, but our uh, our mean rating was 40, uh, just because you rated it at 56. So uh, are you a little, little mad this is, you know, in the listen to the pod tier instead? I think for the average movie watcher, this is a really good spot for it. This movie is long. It's slow. It's got a lot of big ideas. And it's probably the especially in this bottom tier, it is easily the best made movie. Technically, it is very beautiful. It, it is well acted. It, it, it lacks in, in a lot of ways, especially in a modern viewing setting. But I think this, I think this is a fine spot for it. I, when you, you know, put it up against some of the others. <laughs> I guess I would agree just because it's in the lower tier. But I do not like this movie at all. Um, I think this is the third lowest rating that I have on a movie, which is pretty crazy because I, I feel like it's fairly critically acclaimed. But uh, yeah, some of this movie just did not sit with me. And uh, I'm happy it's down here. I'm happy it's not even in the mid-tier because I think it's it's uh, not very good. It's a uh, Tarkovsky, right? Yes, Tar- director, but uh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> you know, and, and interestingly enough, we, this was a really good one-two punch because we did Annihilation right before this, which a lot of people say is, is kind of a spiritual successor to Stalker. Um, so definitely two great episodes to check out there. Now let's move on to our 44th film, another Sandler <laughs> in here at the bottom. Uh, this one, of course, Grown Ups, which, which I would say is the best of the three. So I'm, I'm happy with where it's at. 41 and a half. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. This is a classic movie. I rated it at 53. Um, obviously, one of my personal favorites. You were a little bit lower at 30. But this is our first entry from season one as well, I believe. And um, I think we actually did a lot of decent movies in season one. This was obviously our lowest rated one. But, I mean, Adam Sandler classic. Um, I'm going to nominate this for a couple of categories at the end. So stay tuned for that. But, oh, Grown Ups, how can you go wrong? And... Um, Definitely one of my favorite episodes, just, just talking about that movie too. A lot of fun. I do want to say, I just did the math. Stalker was the greatest distance between our our two rankings. So 31 points uh, difference was the, was the biggest. Um, another like notable chick- one, Chicken, Chicken Little, Little <laughs> 26 between. Um, and then, of course, this movie, Grown Ups as well, 23 difference. For me, you know, I definitely don't enjoy this movie as well. That's kind of our difference in our tastes. You're a bigger Sandler comedy, that type of movie fan than I am in general. Um, so it's not surprising that you rank this a little bit higher. Definitely a super rewatchable movie, super enjoyable movie to kind of sit down and turn your brain off, but not a great movie by any means. 
How dare you say that? But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's Adam Sandler, but it's like peak Adam Sandler, at least 20 Adam Sandler. But uh, that does bring us to the end of Listen to the Pod Instead uh, tier. Uh, and yeah, interesting you bring up like the difference in opinion on that. I feel like those specific movies we just had in that tier are kind of the ones that we only disagree on. Um, as we go on, obviously we're going to disagree on some, but that was always like the biggest difference right there. Obviously, said Stalker at 31, Chicken Little, we disagreed on, The Wrong Missy, and even Grotoves. So maybe those aren't technically like our worst movies because some of them, like, I like or you like, but like together, we kind of disagree on them. So that's interesting. Yeah, definitely our, our, our collective least favorites at the very least. Um, yeah, interesting to see Chicken Little, Paul Blart, um, and Stalker, I'm a lot higher on. And grown-ups in wrong missy you're a lot higher on which which is always cool to see um now moving into a big chunk of movies that's really just kind of like the mid-tier you know there's there's some movies that probably are some of people's favorites in this chunk again there's some you don't like some that i don't like but they they kind of i could see these movies all shifting and rotating uh, amongst each other we do have our first tie here so for 43 we have to come to a decision is it going to be the last jedi or Spider-Man, both at 43. I've imagined, I know what your answer is, so, but I'm curious, Cody. Really? What, what do you think is the worst movie between the two? I think this is a really tough one. I'm not going to lie. And um, it's funny because these, these were back-to-back episodes in, in season one. Episode three, The Last Jedi, and then episode four, the great guest, uh, Connor Van Overburg, with Spider-Man. Obviously, I've been very, very against The Last Jedi for obvious reasons. I feel like Loki, it's the better movie than Spider-Man, which I can't believe I'm even saying, but <laughs> I would, I would I guess that you agree as well, but I could be wrong. I back it hundred percent. Listen, for me, even like realistically, The Last Jedi, I could have rated higher. This, this seems kind of low for me, even at, at a 48 personally. Spider-Man, we were both kind of more consensus about it being in that low 40 range. So I think The Last Jedi is definitely better than uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, and I think Spider-Man is kind of the perfect movie to kick off like the mid-tier just because like it's definitely not good. But at the same time, like there's there is some good stuff in there, like the music, the performances. I think they, they nail like the characters mostly. Uh, Willem Dafoe is great. But I mean, oh my God, the dialogue's terrible. The acting's terrible. <laughs> like I feel like it is the definition of, almost of mid. The Last Jedi. You know, everybody knows my opinion on it. <laughs> not, not a great film, but uh, I'm happy it's down here in, in, you know, the rejects. But yeah. Ryan Johnson is a better director <laughs> than Sam Raimi. It's a better directed film. That's, so, that's my take. That's a full take. Uh, I probably agree, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming around to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> that movie's terrible. But anyways, you want to move on to the next film. What is this, 41, I believe? And, yep. uh Kicking it right back to the Spider-Man, baby. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 coming in at an average of 45 between us. So kind of going back to back here on the Spider-Mans. Uh, do you think that's a, a good spot for it? I think it's a good spot because I agree it is better than the 2002 Spider-Man. Not by a lot because there's things that I dislike. Like I think in both of those movies, there's things I could point out. Is I like this part of this movie better, but I like this one of this movie better. Um, so I think it's a pr- pretty good spot because they're very similar, but I think it's slightly better than the 2002 version. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I had it rated a little bit higher than you. I did it at 47, you had it at 43. 
I feel like Loki, I actually kind of really like this movie. Uh, I think we're talking about last episode, uh, guilty pleasure kind of stuff. And obviously this movie is very bad. It's, it's a mess, big studio interference. But I think there's a ton to talk about. And um, actually one of my favorite episodes. So I, I definitely recommend that one if you haven't, haven't seen it. I was just going to say that, and I can say, I'd say this probably about a lot of our episodes, but this <laughs> yeah. truly is one of my favorite episodes. I think even before recording it, it was one that like, I was just so excited to talk about because there's so much to talk about with this movie. Yeah, but it's definitely that. a good one. Absolutely. And uh, let's just kick it right on to the 40th movie. A very and topical was- film. <laughs> true it's gonna have a, a best picture winner sequel top gun uh coming is in. that hot take cody is it winning best picture <laughs> well it's gonna get nominated for sure uh you have seen you that, seen uh... maverick yet yes okay i think you've asked me this on like two different episodes. <laughs> i have seen top gun maverick i saw it in theaters you know it's okay it's better than the original which we rated at 45 and a half so just barely above the amazing spider-man 2 i think this is a good spot for it we pretty much agreed on this movie um, wholeheartedly. Obviously, great soundtrack and everything, but definitely like deserves being the mid tier. I think I, I agree with that completely. It's it's like so eighties. It is the epitome oh, of yeah. the nineteen eighties of what a movie is. Um, Tom Cruise is a legend, a Scientologist legend, but uh, <laughs> the fact that here we are, you know, in twenty twenty two. Uh, still talking about Top Gun Maverick and, and the impact that's had. Uh, it, it was a very topical episode to do at the time, and it's a lot of fun. Let's uh, continue on into the top 40 uh, with a, with another childhood favorite from me, and that's going to be Holes. I think this is a great spot for this movie. You rated it a little bit higher than me at 53, which I think is an abomination. <laughs> but we got our average score at 47.5, which I think is respectable. But I think rounding out season one, this was a fun episode to do. You know, we, we had a lot to talk about the kid actors, which may come up later. Are you a little, a little disappointed? You know, it's not higher or do you think it's a good spot for holes? I do think it should be a little bit higher because look at the other 49 movies, Cody. You know what they don't have? They don't what? have Dulé Hill, Burton Guster himself uh, in, in a starring performance. <laughs> None of the other films have that. And, uh, I can fix that. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's a great point. I thought you were going to say the other guy, uh, John Voight. <laughs> What's his name? Mr. Man or something? Mr. Sir. Mr. Sir. Mr. Uh, <laughs> big Trump supporter, John Voight. Uh, you know, maybe a bit of a problematic cast at points. Shia LaBeouf obviously has had his issues. I, I think this is a really great, like, early 2000s Disney book adaptation for children it's no you know best picture winner like we say but for what it is you can't find movies in a similar vein that are this good that's what i'll say and it's extremely quotable yeah i think it's good for a kids movie for sure um but i don't know i also did see on on tiktok recently that zero i don't know if you saw this was like responding to people like calling out like the (laughs) department or whatever which is a lot of fun but yeah, I think this is a perfect spot for holes, honestly. I, I do like it more than Top Gun, I think. Just nostalgia-based. You're, you're kind of right. Like For a kid's movie, it does have like some complex stuff. So maybe on a revisit, maybe I would score it a little higher. Other than John Voight's performance, which is, again, an abomination. I might keep saying it this episode, but he's terrible. But yeah, I think this is a good spot for it. Justice for Sigourney Weaver. All right, we've got four movies here that are all tied with 48. 
So oh, wow. we're going to have some deliberations to make here. Those movies are Clueless, Interstellar, War Dogs, and Midsommar. Cody, wow. what are you, where are you thinking off the rip? What's the worst one of these four, maybe? Oh, man, that is tough. So, yeah, they're all ranked the exact same somehow at 48. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, the one that I rated the lowest was Interstellar. I figured that's, that's the one I rated the highest. And the one you rated the highest, War Dogs, is the one I rated the lowest. So what do we do here? So this got to be tough. I would I would vote that I, I would vote clueless the worst, I would say. But I would say midsummer is also there as well. I, I would say those are probably the two worst. That's that's what I wanted to, to kind of come at you with. I think because we were kind of closer on those two, they should go a little bit lower. I think I would rather go midsummer at 38, honestly. Okay. I am 100% down for that. I mean, and uh, weirdly enough, Clueless and Interstellar are both in season two. Then War Dogs and Midsummer were back back episodes in season four. So we had back to back episodes of the exact same rating, which is fun. But yeah, I agree. Midsummer or mid- Midsummer, however you want to say it. <laughs> we talked about the episode, but I think that's deserved to be there. I think maybe if you look deeper, like, this is probably the best movie out of these four, but like I don't look deeper in movies, so I, I think it deserves to be there. <laughs> Shout out to to our former guest Abby Finer for telling us that we completely misunderstood this movie. Midsummer probably the best directed of those four, maybe not, maybe Interstellar. It, it, it's hard yeah. to say, but it's just I don't know. It's boring at points. I think that's it's less exciting than these other three movies. You want to go Interstellar next, I imagine, or do, do you want to go Clueless next? I say we can go clueless. All right. Yeah, I should stick that in. And um, that was a really fun episode. Obviously a great guest. Uh, yeah. Shout out Miss M- Mina Nagy. <laughs> but she rated it much higher than us. So I'm glad that doesn't factor in. But yeah, you know, it's mid. It- it's nostalgia more than anything, I-, I think. But definitely a fun episode. So here's a question, Cody. Mm-hmm. Is it Christopher Nolan or is it Todd Phillips? Who's better? You know, weirdly enough, I think I think we should put Interstellar higher than, than War Dogs. I don't think by any means I can justify saying that War Dogs is a better movie than Interstellar. Maybe plot-wise, you know, third act-wise, it, it's much better. But yeah, th- those are fairly close, I think. And the War Dogs episode is a fun one. But the Interstellar episode is probably one of my favorites we've ever done. Uh, shout out Aiden Cotter, who's a great guest. And um, he still talks about that today where I kind of like ruined his favorite movie for him. So, <laughs> so I take that with a lot of pride. But yeah, Interstellar, it, it definitely deserves to be in the mid. You rated at 50, I had it at 46. So even you weren't crazy high on it, even though, I mean, like technically it is probably one of the better films like made out of our 50, I'd say. I think this Interstellar is one that, you know, if you if you polled the average person on the street and said, rank these 50 movies, this is probably way too low at, at 35. I know on Letterboxd, there's a thing that talk, you know, you can do your four favorites and Interstellar is like one of the movies with the highest percentage of like being in people's four favorites. Like people love Interstellar. Um, obviously, you're not as high on it. Uh, and Aiden appreciates the movie a ton. I, I know our good friend Jackson is also a huge Interstellar fan. Uh, but shout out to Aiden. Going to come back on the pod to talk uh, Avatar Way of Water in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. Great guest. And, um, you know, we've, we've had so many good guests. I think we need to, to do our dues a little bit and start bringing some of the best ones back. So I think we're going to start doing that. But yeah, 
Shout out to Andy, of course. And uh, moving on to our 34th highest film, which very topical, it is December as we record this. It's Elf, our, the only Christmas movie. Well, unless you count, you know, Catch Me If You Can as a Christmas film, but the only official Christmas movie we've done. Um, 34, it's, it's getting big movement, big plays uh, for the Purdue basketball team right now and Caleb first. There's a lot of Elf content happening. It's very topical. Um, so for that reason, maybe it should be higher, but as a movie, it's fine. You know, it's okay. Not the oh, best yeah. Christmas movie. I think Christmas ranks, it's probably in like near the top five for me, which is pretty good, I think. And, um, yeah, I think we have to do another Christmas based episode. We kind of did a little Halloween. I think we could, we could pick a couple great Christmas movies. I, I have a lot of favorites, but yeah, Elf, I think it's definitely mid and it seems like we have a lot of. A season two picks sort of in this mid so maybe that's when like cap was at its most mid as well season two helps uh, <laughs> a fun one definitely uh a fun episode i think i need a meme from that movie for sure and uh, another speaking of memes maybe the most uh, memeable actor nick cage in national treasure is our pick for 33 National Treasure, Cody. You didn't know your history when we did our uh, our trivia questions. Do you do you regret you know not paying attention in school better or, or what? Well, maybe a little bit, but I mean, in school is where I first saw National Treasure. So same, I think. But, on that. but this is probably the the most surprising ranking for me. I'm surprised this is up here this high. Obviously, it's one of my personal favorites. I ranked it at 55. You at 44. But, oh, man, how can you not love this movie? Nick Cage at his best, I would say. And just a great supporting cast around him, too. If you had asked me history questions, like, about what Nick Cage was ranting about in this movie, I probably would have gotten those right. <laughs> General knowledge stuff, you know, it's probably a little bit more iffy. But, yeah, I'm very happy to see National Treasure, you know, at least on the mid. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't on skip the, skip the movie episode. But, yeah, definitely a good one. Our, our teachers were showing us this movie rather than teaching us things, I guess, is, is what we can surmise from that. I don't blame them. <laughs> I think I saw the second one in school as well. And it's a lot more violent, for sure, too. But, hey, you just got to respect the school system, I guess, because uh, just car fights, or not car fights, car chases and, and gunfights, middle school 101 in my book. So I bet it. Benjamin Franklin Gates, maybe one of the better uh, character names in, in all the films. Unfortunately, no award from that, but we, we got to shout that out. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better name off the bat. So I'm giving that award right now. <laughs> we, we can move on. Well, there might be a better one in, in this next three uh, of, oh, yeah. of ties because we have Napoleon Dynamite. The Truman Show and The Princess Bride all tied wow. with 51 and a half points. Very interesting. These ties are actually pretty tough because I feel like, I mean, obviously, we think they're all in similar, you know, vein. A couple of great guest episodes Napoleon Dynamite, Truman Show. Also, kind of interesting season one, season two, and season three. So, a lot of variance there. I would probably say, I mean, not to be biased, but I would say the best movie out of those is The Princess Bride. Which I ranked at 63. And uh, we disagreed on a lot. You ranked it at 40. So, what do you think? Where, where do you want to place the Princess Bride at? Because that was your lowest ranked one. If I was going to go these three, I would say Napoleon Dynamite is the worst, then The Princess Bride, 
than the Truman Show is how I would re-rank them. What, what do you think about that? Can you do that or are you not you okay would, with the Truman Show dropping? You would put the Truman Show at the best one or the worst one? Uh, the best one. Oh, I would say it's probably the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> I say we go Napoleon Dynamite, Princess Bride. Oh, no, no. No, no, I'm sorry. I say we go, well, shit. Yeah, I say we go Napoleon Dynamite, Truman Show, Princess Bride. <laughs> But we could put the Princess Bride below all of them. I wouldn't care. Princess Bride worst, Truman Show, and then Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, you think you think Napoleon's <laughs> the best of the three? Interesting. Okay, yeah. I don't think the Truman Show is actually that good. All honest. right. So, for those that may have been confused about what just happened, thirty-two <laughs> is going to be the Princess Bride. Thirty-one will be the Truman Show, and then our thirtieth best movie is going to be Napoleon Dynamite. Kind of just talking about all these, let's talk about The Princess Bride first. Obviously, you love mm-hmm. this movie. It's the highest ranked one uh, of, you, of your films so far with a 63. Wow. You saw it as a child. You loved Fred Savage's work in it. Uh, me personally did not see it until I was you know, 21 when, when we recorded the episode and it did not have the same uh, magical effect on me. I was not, a, was not impressed by the work of Mr. Savage uh, as a young child, I can say. Still, still deuced by boy, uh, Fred Savage. I didn't put him in the best child acting category just because I know um, you would not be too happy with that. But yeah, I'll tell you about 63 and uh, back in season one, it's pretty high ranking. I think it is deserved up there just because of, you know, rewatchability, you know, quotable, super fun performances. I mean, I could rattle off all the quotes again. I'm sure nobody wants to hear them. But shout out Andre the Giant. I mean, what a guy and uh, legendary performance. RIP, brother. But yeah, I think these three are pretty tough. It's kind of the best of kind of the mid tier almost. But the Princess Ride, I mean, back in season one, I don't even think we knew what we were doing. So I think that would be a fun one to revisit. The Truman Show, which I think is a pretty fun episode. I'm kind of surprised that I rated it higher than you. I rated it at 54. You're at 49. But I feel like looking back on these, like, uh, spoiler alert, I am going to put The Truman Show in like the most overrated movies. So what, what do you think about it? Because you did rate it lower than me, but I feel like I don't really love that movie. Well, yeah, it is interesting to see that yours is higher. Uh, something very, I guess we could address now as we do this. When I did these rankings, Princess Bride was our second episode. So we, did, we were still kind of figuring where we were at. We had done Gone Girl and Princess Bride. I think maybe you went a little high with 63 early on. But something that I did was that I was constantly ranking these movies against each other as I was doing this. So me putting the Truman show at 49 isn't necessarily because I think it's yes, because I think it's a 49 out of 69, but also because I had ranked other movies as like a 50 and a 48. And I wanted to put the Truman show in between it, which, which maybe causes some issues in our ranking system. And I, I start with five stars and then I try and get, you know, this, for me, if you, if you, did from highest ranking to lowest ranking, it would be representative of my favorite to my least favorite, but the numerical values assigned may not necessarily be a hundred percent accurate at all times. Right. And I think that's true about mine as well uh, with the princess bride, like 63, that's, I think that's easily in my top 10. So like our rankings don't really matter. It's more about the number in this situation. <laughs> We're just funny, but yeah. And then rounding out with Napoleon dynamite, I think that's an underrated comedy. I think it deserved to be there. And that was the first time I'd seen that movie, uh, season three when we did that. But 
yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Napoleon Dynamite. And I think it could have been a little higher, possibly. Yeah, I mean, Napoleon Dynamite is extremely culturally significant and was a huge moment for independent films um, in the early 2000s. So throwing it at 30, while it's not, you know, my favorite movie by any means, I think this is a pretty good spot for it. Definitely. And yeah, that rounds out what the bottom 20 movies. So that's fun. We can definitely jump into number 29 which at just above those barely with our average ranking at 52 is men in black uh the season four kickstarter what do you think about that well you know cody i love men in black i i grew up on men in black you didn't grow up on men in black you you've <laughs> kind of taken your your mib journey in the last couple months <laughs> since doing this episode but i think this movie is just a ton of fun to watch i mean will smith fighting aliens maybe it's a little copaganda sure but yeah it's like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones wearing suits and looking cool and erasing people's memories. It's, it's just a ton of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Dude. I think that episode was, was a fun one as well. Shout out Men in Black 2, which was on this list. Would have uh, already appeared as a stinker. But I still haven't checked out Men in Black 3. Uh, Josh Brolin, I think I'm missing out. I think this is a good spot for, for Men in Black. We can keep moving along here to 28, which again, just barely is above Men in Black at our average score of 52 and a half instead of 52. And that would be another season four recent episode, the original Halloween. I think this is actually a perfect spot for Halloween, just barely missing out on the top 25. But I mean, it is a horror classic and there's a lot of issues with it. It doesn't age the best, I don't think, but I think it's still like a very solid flick. So I think it's a perfect spot for it, honestly. Yeah, you know, it's... It was a low budget horror film in the 80s. And, and the fact of the matter is like people can just, you know, make things look better now a little bit to a certain degree. And they, they know, you know, I, I've seen I'm a person who sees a ton of new movies. I think this year I've almost seen 90 releases from 2022. And I, I kind of I harp on myself a little bit because like sometimes I rank movies that are released this year higher than other people. And I think the thing is, because it's just like. People are better at making, I know this, it's because it's no, not true to a certain, but like movies are easier to make good. So like something that's new and in more modern to me is just automatically gets a little bit of a bump just by the nature of one, it's the time period I'm living in one. They like know what they're doing. They have better technology. They can make stuff for cheaper. Um, I think acting is is better a little bit, at least the way people act on screen. Our editing systems have gotten better, obviously effects have become, you know, much stronger. There's a lot of great stuff about Halloween and it started a huge franchise. And quite honestly, it's the best of all the Halloween movies. So it maybe that discounts the theory that we make better movies today because the Halloween uh, ends that, that came out this year was a, an absolute <laughs> stinker. <laughs> I've not checked that out, sadly, but I would argue as well, Halloween 3, maybe better classic, classic Halloween if you don't see that one. Shout out Stonehenge. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think from like a technical standpoint, like movies today are just better, like you're saying. And yeah, you can you can see that. And I movie. know that that's dumb because like there's all the greatest movies are a little bit older and it's like <laughs> we're making a bunch of trash now and like all that exists is IP movie. Like so there, it's two sides of a coin to coin to a certain degree. Well, I mean this turned out to be ip trash anyways i mean true franchise 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 but i mean yeah you're you're definitely right like the acting and just like the camera work i, I haven't even seen it but in like halloween ends i'm sure it's much better than like the original halloween 
even though like this is a much better movie i would say it doesn't it doesn't have the advantage of being made like in the modern day where it's like oh like they're using a really nice camera and the director knows what he's doing and like these are all actual good actors it's not made on a shoestring shoestring budget so i do understand what you're saying but still i mean movies back in the 70s probably a lot of them are, are better than the garbage we're pumping out today but yeah carpenter uh is somebody whose films i've really delved into for the first time this past year um, i mean i think he's begun to emerge as one of my uh more favorite directors so um it, it's cool to kind of go on that journey through some of his movies um he, he's a master for sure you know what he was doing in our next three we have another three-way tie with some more oh. ip trash terminator 2 <laughs> um, and then of course book smart and uncut gems wow. uh, what do you think is the worst of these three cody this is actually difficult for me just because these were three of my picks and uh <laughs> three of my personal favorite movies i would say you rated Booksmart the lowest. I would probably say that is the worst out of these three. It is tough, though, because they're all such different films. But I, I probably would put Booksmart the lowest out of those three. I think, here's the thing. Because of Don't Worry, Darling, I think we got to go Booksmart yeah. at 27. <laughs> if Don't Worry, Darling's not released this year, which, of course, Way of Water might make us want to put T2 down um, further if that's bad. But uh, I would say let's not bet against big Jim Cameron himself. Um, so yeah, I think Book Smart at 27 is a good spot for it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, sadly, Olivia Wilde, you know, she missed on you know take number two with Don't Worry, Darling. Hopefully, she can get her her hands on you know a project not particularly surrounded around controversy and, and more just you know trying to make a good film, which I think she did with Don't Worry, Darling. But there are just a lot of outside factors that I think did not help that film. And yeah, funny enough, I. You're talking about Jimmy Cameron. I low-key think The Way of Water is actually going to be really good. It is like three and a half hours or something ridiculous. But James Cameron, he's done like a bunch of interviews. And uh, there's a specific GQ one as well, which you could even plug if you want. But him just talking about how like the first Avatar movie, he even knows like he's like, oh, it's more of the spectacle. It's not about the characters. And he's talking about, you know, the sequel being an actual character piece. So... I think that'll be interesting. I obviously the visuals are, are what made that movie all its money, and um, you can kind of say say the same thing about T two, but I think like the story and the actual performances is, is what carries it. I personally would put T two ahead of Uncut Gems, but um, I can defer to you. I know you don't like Uncut Gems that much. Actually, I actually don't think you like either of that much. But uh, what were you thinking? I agree. I think T2 above Uncut Gems. I, I don't want to step on the, the James Cameron conversation too much because like I said, uh, we're going to talk away of water with Aiden and we may even do an original Avatar episode before yeah. then. Um, so I'm sure we will talk about it a ton. You sent me the GQ uh, video of like breaking down his career, which is a great one to watch. And there's also a great um, GQ interview um, that you can um, read or listen to. Uh, it's about 30 minute listen. Um, that's really good and a lot of great insights that we will get into on a later episode of the podcast, but definitely check that out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely excited for that. And uh, I think we just keep moving forward. That Well, that I, I do want to say 25. Uncut, uncut oh, Gems. We, we should oh, talk yeah. about that for a second. Uncut Gems. I, I, at 26 for Uncut Gems, like you said, I, I'm not as high on this movie. I think 
a big thing I harped on is just like the sound mixing. I'm not a huge fan of, you can barely like hear or understand what Adam Sandler's talking about through a lot of the movie. Um, I'm not the only person with this complaint. I know that for a fact, sound mixing is not great, but there's some recent rumors information that, you know, the sand, that Sandman and, and the Safties are going to be potentially having a reunion in, in an upcoming film, which I'm definitely excited about because uh, oh, yeah. they're good filmmakers and him in a dramatic role and in kind of the roles he's been taking in the last couple of years have, have really excited me more to see his uh, later stages of work and uh, great and ex- great awards acceptance speech at the uh, Gotham Awards just a couple of weekends ago. <laughs> really? I actually don't see that, but yeah, shout out the Sappies. I think they're one of the more underrated like duo directors working today. Obviously you have like the Coens and uh, the Wachowskis and the Russos or whatever, but nobody talks about the Safties. Benny Safdie, I think he's going to be in of the new Nolan film Oppenheimer as well. So shout out. He's Who is it? So, so he's allowed to be in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Uncut, Uncut Joms, I think is one of the more underrated flicks on our list. So shout out to Sandman. Obviously a huge, huge year for Julia Fox as well. And, uh, you know, in, in the people surrounding her life <laughs> that don't need to get mentioned <laughs> on this podcast. Dude, I, I really wanted to put her down for like best actress for a category. <laughs> But I just couldn't do it. She is she is good in the movie. She is good. She is good in she's, that movie. She's such a bad actress, I think. But yeah, shout out uh, Uncut Jams. I was uh, Benny, Benny Safdie's muse. But yeah, <laughs> let's continue on. I, I got to see Benny Safdie in, in person a couple weeks ago at the uh, New York Film yeah. Festival. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty sick. Junaga. Yeah, I said, what's up? All right, uh, 24, another horror movie, a, a recent addition that we talked about, of course, with Abby Finer, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. This movie may be too low here at 24, honestly, and I think that may purely be because of just, one, there's a ton of great movies in this next 23, um, but also just it's, it's a horror film, and maybe we don't appreciate that as much as some of the others, but definitely the closest thing to a, a modern horror classic that we have, and uh, James Wan. We, we gushed over him in the episode, but we love oh, yeah. James Wan. No, great director. And this is a really good film as well. I think our guest rating with Abby was much higher than ours at 65, which I think is pretty justified, actually. But yeah, another great episode, I think. One of our longer ones and one of my favorite guests, personally. I think we need to have her on back as well. Maybe for another horror episode, just because like maybe we don't give you know that genre it's due on this, on this pod too much. But I think 24 is a good spot for it. This is, I feel like the next sort of 10 films, we can honestly just switch anywhere. I think they're all kind of in, in the same category, but uh, funny enough, if you want to move on to the next film at 23, we actually have Fast Five ahead of The Conjuring, which I personally love. Obviously, this is going back to season one as well, so that maybe by the rankings are, are a little bit off, but we came to the average score of 54 and a half. I was a little bit higher. On it at 61 while you were at 48 what do you think is it, do you think this is an abomination this is this high or, or are you okay with it well I, I think it's cool to see a, a fast movie next to the conjuring obviously this is not the one that james one directed True. but you know he is a director of of the fast franchise i rated this movie. this movie i don't even know no justin lynn did this one oh, he did uh, right. furious seven no you're right you're right um yeah. fast five is one of the best action movies to come out in the 2010s um it's also a pretty good damn good heist movie turning point for the fast and furious franchise maybe a 
turning point for the worst <laughs> in some regards. <laughs> um, but the turning point itself is very well executed. And I think this is a good spot for it because it's very much a big blockbuster fanfare movie um, and maybe doesn't have a lot of deeper meaning or, or subtext to it. It's very much the text is the text, but it, it's a ton of fun. And, and Vin Diesel, man, <laughs> screwed himself. Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, you know, Vin's okay. Um, but I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I think this film... I think it is underrated a little bit just because of you know what came after it. I feel like if you didn't have any other Fast and Furious sequels, this is this would be heralded as like a great action film. Um, so underrated in that standpoint. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it probably should be a little bit lower in our list if I'm being completely honest. But it's just one of my personal favorite movies of all time, and it is campy in parts. Um, but I mean, hey, shout out the Rock franchise saver. I was just about to say, not only a turning point for the Fast and Furious franchise, but a turning point for Dwayne The Rock Johnson as oh, well. Yeah. And, and again, maybe for the worst, maybe for the best. <laughs> it depends which side of the uh, of his wallet you're on, I guess. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it didn't really work out because how much money did they lose on Shazam? If, if The Rock... <laughs> you mean <laughs> Black Rock... Adam? Get it right? Come uh, on. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired, whatever. But, um, you know, but hey, if The Rock was never in Fast Five... Shazam would have never lost a hundred million dollars for Warner Brothers. So, you know, honestly, you Black Adam first. very well may have been greenlit before Fast Five was even filmed. <laughs> He's been trying to make that movie for over a decade. So, um, let's move on to our twenty-second film. Unfortunately, it's not the the twentieth film, but uh, it is the movie that we, we did a episode last April. On uh, April 20th, I think it came out, Dazed and Confused, a, a fun episode to record for sure and a, and a fun one to talk about. Um, problematic at points, yes, but extremely rewatchable, um, very much a vibe of movie. It, it fits well into the Richard Linklater canon of films um, and, and gave us Matthew McConaughey, even if he is a, a total sleazebag in the film. Yeah, McConaughey's character, uh, we don't talk about that, but... This is just an iconic film and one of Linklater's best, I think, which is saying a lot. And weirdly enough, we agreed on the rating for this one. We put it directly at 56. So that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I do kind of wish it was at, you know, 20, just just to be <laughs> in that spot. But I think 22 is almost a perfect spot of like a good movie, but, you know, not one of the best ones we've looked into, but it's undeniably like still a really good movie. Yeah. All right. And let's move on to our... 21st and 20th films that oh, wow. are we currently want, tied. We have a lot of ties incoming here, so this will be fun. Palm Springs and Dune are both tied with a 57. For me, right off the bat, I, I gotta say I think Dune's the better movie here. Palm Springs is, of 2020, is an incredible standout movie that a, a ton of people didn't see. It kind of popped up on streaming, obviously, has the mom from How I Met Your Mother and the the lead singer of The Lonely Island as the two stars, but uh, just a, a fun time loop film, a good rom com. Uh, but I think Dune is the better, like technically and acting. Like you can't say Dune isn't the better movie, right, Cody? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Denis behind the camera with Oscar Isaac and Timmy Chalamet. It's hard to deny that that's a better movie than Palm Springs, which is a ton of fun. And out of those two episodes, I would probably recommend Palm Springs just because we do have a great guest. Shout out Jackson again. Um, and he was a little bit higher than us on this movie. But 
I also I believe isn't I think her name's Christina Malati something something like that. Shout out her. I nobody knows her name, but she actually is a pretty good actress, I think. And that's probably like one of her best roles she's ever had. But yeah, I mean, Dune from a technical standpoint, even is one of the most beautiful films I think on this list. So I would 100 percent agree with you and, and put it ahead. All right. So now as we break into the top 20, uh, Dune was our 20th film. Uh, we've got another three-way tie here uh, between wow. Gone Girl, Her, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, Gone Girl, obviously, the very first episode we did. It's a Cap classic. Um, kind of kicked everything off. And then Her, another season one movie. A uh, personal favorite of mine. I love Her. And then Spider-Man No Way Home, which was just uh, released almost a year ago. So uh, oh, what do you think it off the bat, Cody? Where would you uh, put these three films? It is tough because uh, that Gone Girl episode is, is, like you said, a Cap classic. The all-time great category of Cody versus. It was only effective, really, in that one episode. But shout out to it. I would say maybe we have a little bit of season one bias with Gone Girl. I would say out of the three of those, I would put that the lowest. And then Spider-Man No Way Home would probably be next in line for me. Can um, I pitch? Here's the thing. Spider-Man <laughs> No Way Home, in seeing it in a theater and just kind of his experience and you know, 20 years of Spider-Man movies kind of coming to a culmination, that stuff's great. But as we talked about in the episode, there are a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> it's not super well written. There's just things that don't make a lot of sense. Whereas I think Gone Girl on the opposite is an extremely well-written movie. And it, obviously David Fincher, I think is a better director than John Watts. Personally, I would go Spider-Man No Way Home as the worst of these three kids. Can we make that happen, maybe, Cody? I will uh, definitely agree to that. You know, the Finch, man, I don't think I, Gone Girls is best. But yeah, you, you probably are, right? I mean, nostalgic goggles, obviously everybody has them on with, with Spider-Man No Way Home. And, you know, plot-wise, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense that really. So, yeah, I back it. Gone Girl, though, another one. Like, I, I might actually go back and listen to that episode just because I'm talking about it. I think that's one of the most fun ones we had. And um, that's also like super nostalgic for us, I think, it, sort of in the same way that Spider-Man is for everybody else. But yeah, we haven't talked about her much. I know, um, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix, unbelievable performance there. But I think an underrated ScarJo as well. And kind of just a really cool direction in the movie, like really cool costume and, and setting wise, I think, putting it in the future a little bit. Even like his, his job is super futuristic. But yeah, obviously that's one of your favorites. Do you want to shout anybody out from her? You know, incredible production design, like you said, just the design of the city of this like futuristic um, type world that it builds is just really incredible. Also, just like at the core, it's like a really interesting story about love and loneliness. And um, like you said, Joaquin Phoenix is great. So is Scarlett Johansson, both of them acting against nothing, essentially. I mean, Scarlett Johansson, filmed all of her stuff in post after the fact and, and Joaquin filmed uh, with a completely different woman at, at the time. So really incredible work that they were able to make that work and make that a believable relationship. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I said, we keep kicking along here to our 16th ranked film, which shooting back to season two school of rock. And this is the first time I checked out this film was your pick, but I think this is hundred percent deserves being here. I think possibly we could have had it even a little bit higher and um it is like the ranking specifically at 58 and a half 
is very close to a lot of other films. I think deservedly so. But yeah, your boy Jack Black. I mean, th- this is one of the most fun movies I think we've talked about. Yeah, you know, I recently saw that, uh, you know, Jack Black was saying he'd love to do a sequel. I, I say yeah. we definitely should make it happen. Uh, Miranda Cosgrove in, in an early star making performance. Uh, again, not going to get nominated for Best <laughs> Child Actress by any means, but no. really, really fun stuff. Again, it's another Linklater movie, which is weird to think about to a certain degree. And maybe isn't the first one when you think Richard Linklater, you don't think School of Rock, you probably think Boyhood, Dazing Views, the Before Trilogy. He's obviously a great director. But again, for just like being kind of this like kids movie about music, it it really holds up really well and insanely rewatchable. Uh, I love this movie. Yeah. And like you said, I feel like it is maybe my favorite Linklater film. But again, like with the public thing, if you ask about Richard Linklater, I feel 100% be like, oh, Daisy Confused, just because of that iconicness. But yeah, and he, what he does so well, I think, is, as well as uh, incorporating music into his films, obviously with this and obviously with Daisy Confused. But soundtrack of School Rock, I mean, spoiler it again for the categories, but it's going to be up there for me. One of the best. Yeah. And, and that movie doesn't work with, without Jack Black by no, like by any no. means. You know, Jack Black is literally, the character is basically written for him. He, he was born to play that role and, and nobody else could quite do it. And of course, we have to shout out our, our boy, Mike White, the man himself. True. Yeah, Mike White, great survivor player. He's all doing putting the work in uh, for HBO right now or with the White Lotus, which uh, was inspired actually from his time on Survivor, which is a really fun story. But yeah, Ned Schneebly. Uh, <laughs> shout out that guy. Shout out uh, Sarah Silverman as well. Uh, Joan Cusack. Yeah, yeah. Joan Cusack. <laughs> uh, again, not a great performance from her, but just a, a really, really fun movie, I think. One, one, of, the, one of the better ones. All right, we got another tie. And for me, the answer here is easy, despite what my ranking says. Um, we've got The Martian and Annihilation. I think we got to say the, the Martian is the better movie between the two, though, right? Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, Annihilation, again, probably one of my favorite episodes. But just the A movie the neither of us had seen going into yeah. it. Which maybe the only instance of that um, for at least uh, a movie with just the two of us without a guest. Yeah, that's probably true, actually, which is a lot of fun. And I mean, just the the story is bonkers. So one of my favorites to dive into. And, but I, I would say The Martian is a better film. Just, you know, from a writing standpoint, acting standpoint, it's hard to argue against the brilliance of that film. I mean, Ridley Scott, I, we haven't done too many of his movies, actually, surprisingly, because I'm a massive fan. But I mean, Matt Damon, the the cast as well, I think is is endless and and just so so good. Shout out Donald Glover for his two scenes. Um, the, he's ridiculously good. I don't care what you say about him, but I I would definitely put it above Annihilation. But I think fifty nine. This is they're running that fifteen and fourteen. It's very respectable, and I think good spots for both of them. Annihilation. If you want to hear an episode about of Cody and I giving our analysis like a real in-depth of what does this movie mean probably the most we've ever gotten into that and we disagreed about the message of the movie at the end of it which was definitely fun if you ask me to recount the plot to you not sure i could do that here we as we are a couple months after having seen it but a really beautiful film and uh alex garland is is 
be an incredible filmmaker as well. But I got to say The Martian is the better movie. I, I love the book. It's probably my favorite book of all time. Andy Weir, incredibly funny movie, which I think is underlooked for how funny of a movie it is. Donald Glover, I love, despite maybe not being great. Uh, but but the cast as a whole is fantastic, as you said. Yeah, that ensemble is definitely tough to beat. But yeah, I say we keep moving swiftly on here into number 13. And another recent, you know, release with The Batman. I think this is a great spot for this. Obviously, I was super, super high on this movie. Put it at 63. You had it at 58. Yeah. All in all, I mean, just the tone and it's sort of the the feel and look of this movie, I think, is what, what really makes it great for me. But yeah, what do you think? Should this be a little higher? Should it lower? It's a good spot. I think as we get into this top 13, we've officially hit our 60 threshold. I think these are like our really good movies. I would say we were going to do top 10, but honestly, I'd say let's make it 13 caps, 13 faves. I like it. The Batman, I think, is most harmed by the fact that it was released so early in this year at such a weird time. I can imagine if this movie had come around around the time in which it's set, which is end of October, beginning of November, I think it would have been a lot more successful. I think it would have had a better chance at, you know, some awards races and it would kind of, you know, stick with us a little bit more. This movie is a little long. I think it's runtime is its biggest fault and it would probably be a lot higher if it was just cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. You're not wrong. It is a little long. Maybe they play the Nirvana song a few <laughs> too many times. <laughs> and also, you know, the villain's not great either. There's kind of a lot about this movie that we didn't like, but like just from a technical standpoint, it is ridiculously well made. And yeah, I, I think this is a good spot for it. I love Caps 13, and this is a great kickoff to it. This was actually, going forward, this um, was the only movie you did not rate at at least a 60. So going forward, you have everyone at 60. I had it at 63, obviously. And there's a couple other I had below 60 that are still on the list. But yeah, going forward, it, it looks like um, placement-wise for you, like the Batman's in a pretty good spot. For sure. Let's move on to 12, which is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Cody, what, what do you think about Ferris Bueller? Do you think this is a good spot for it at 12? Bueller? Um, I would. I'd say from my standpoint, possibly it's a little too high. Really fun episode. Again, a great uh, guest with Jack, who uh, did rate it a 69 out of 69, which I can only respect. But we had it come in at 62 for the average score. I mean, again, what I was talking about with School Rock, just the fun. This movie is unbelievably fun. Uh, it's another vibe movie, but it's not directed by Linklater, sadly. But, I mean, the, the three characters, like that core three in a film with that great chemistry, I think that's hard to find. And then just, you know, going into the you know coming of age, high school flicks, um, you know, during that time period, I think this is the one that stands out the most. And it is like fairly artistic, even that like um, the art scene wherever they're at the, the museum, you're like out of context of the movie, like some of their artsy stuff is kind of weird, but in context of the movie, it's, it's like low-key brilliant. So yeah, definitely one that was a lot of fun to talk about, but I think it's very deserving to be in, you know, the top 12. As somebody who loves the city of Chicago, I think this movie utilizes its setting in such an important way and maybe better than you know any of these other movies on the list or, or any movie ever um, definitely one of the best movies set in the city of Chicago 
it, it really captures that air. I think the parade scene is fantastic. Twist and shout is great. Um, and I think just as a general premise of like, who hasn't faked being sick to stay home, right? Like it's so relatable. And then of course, Ferris Bueller just takes it to the next level of like, if you could do anything on that day, you stayed home from school, like what would you do? Um, and it's just an incredibly fun movie to watch. Yeah. Also, uh, shout out Charlie Sheen for a baseball <laughs> scene. And um, the girl, what's the girl's name from uh, Dirty Dancing? Who plays the Ferris' sister? sister, yeah. I can't remember. She's really good, though. Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey, obviously, yeah. But uh, that's one of her for, like, first performances as well. Just a lot of, like, really good, like, young performances in that film, I think. Um, but, yeah, definitely good one. I say we keep it moving on to number 11, which actually may be a little bit low. And um, that's one of your favorites, Lady Bird, coming in at 63 average score. Looks like I put it at 59 all the way back in season two, which is a little low, I think. But yeah, obviously, this is one of your favorites. I've talked about Lady Bird on this podcast, on other podcasts so many times. It's, it's hard to really find um, another thing to say about it. Greta Gerwig, she's got Barbie coming out next year, and I'm hype. That's that's what I'll say. Uh, she's also starring in White Noise alongside Adam Driver. Uh, obviously, that movie is written and directed by her husband, Noah Baumbach. Um, I'm just a huge fan of her and, and of all her work. Um, my recommendation will be check out a movie called Francis Ha, which is uh, written and directed, well, sorry, directed by Noah Baumbach, written both by Baumbach and Gerwig. And it's basically about a Gerwig-esque character in her late 20s. She plays the, the titular character, Frances Ha. Uh, I don't know if I even said the title of the movie, um, but Frances Ha, she, she plays Frances. Yeah, she does. She plays Frances <laughs> in the movie, but it is very reminiscent of her life. And in a lot of ways is, is almost a sequel or a spiritual successor to the, what Lady Bird is. Um, it obviously comes out a few years before Lady Bird, um, but if you want the, the canon of Lady Bird to continue, go check out Frances Ha. Um, but Lady Bird, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. And uh, Francis, I've not seen it, but that is on my list of what I check out. So I definitely agree. But yeah, I had it at 59, like I said. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Ohio State just a buzzer here. All right. Anyway, yeah, Francis, it's on my list, but um, I rated it at 59 back then. I think is uh, a little bit low. But we're standing by this, it. We're sticking with we it. Are, it's 11. We are. Just outside the I top was, 10. I would say this is deserving to be in the top 10. But if we want to move on to our 10th ranked movie, that is The Departed. And you cannot move The Departed out of the top 10. So I agree completely. Average score here, just barely above Lady Bird at 63 and a half. But oh man, how can you not love this movie? I wanted to nominate all of the awards for The Departed Best Director, Best Writing, Best Actor, Best Actress. This is one of my favorite movies. And um, I don't think Scorsese gets enough credit for it. So I'm glad it, you know, made it into our top 10, even though going all the way back to season one. And um, yeah, Matt Damon, you could, you could go on and on. Alec Baldwin, um, you know, the the other Boston guy, uh, Mark Wahlberg, is actually good at it, surprisingly. Uh, I, like I said, could talk about this movie all day. But Vera Farmiga. True. Martin <laughs> one Sheen. Of your, one of your top five working actresses as well. So really uh, nothing. I can't find any flaws in this movie, I don't think. So 
It's got to be in the top 10. It might be higher if it wasn't for the stupid fucking rat shot at the end. That's all I can say. <laughs> the Departed's great. Uh, outside of that, one of the best endings uh, in all movies. I think back to the first time I saw this movie because it was actually in our, our hilltop apartment. I think Jake was visiting or it was right after Jake had visited and he was discussing, you know, what is the greatest movie ending of all time? And he and you <laughs> both you know, said, oh, The Departed's definitely in there. And I was like, I, I've never seen it. Um, so then we had to go and watch it and uh, I instantly loved it. So um, it was great that we got a chance to do it on the podcast later. 100%. And uh, I think we keep it rolling. I believe our, our next couple of picks, we do have another tie, correct? Yeah. So we've got ties all the way out for these last couple. So um, yeah. first we've got a tie all tied at 64, the Shawshank Redemption, Inception and Goodfellas. I mean, at this point, Jesus. like this top 10, I think we could probably put in any order. So we shouldn't, you know, try and overthink any of this too much. Um, for me, <laughs> I, oh, it's difficult. Yeah. I, I think I would go, man, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm throwing under the bus. I might be okay with putting Inception as the worst. You have it ranked as your least favorite of these three. I have it as my favorite, but I think in comparison, I would be okay. Movie-wise, It's I think Goodfellas and Shawshank are both better movies. I might not like them as much, but I think they're better movies. Yeah, I, I would probably... I mean, like you said, it's it's pretty <laughs> pretty difficult. I don't know. I think Inception is up there for me. Uh, I think Goodfellas is probably the best. I would be fine with Inception or Shawshank really in any order there. So if you want to bump it up, I said we can, but I'll leave it up to you. We can move Inception pretty much wherever you want there. Because I know Leo is going to get his love and I know Nolan is going to get his love later on. I'm okay with throwing Inception at nine. Uh, I said we do uh, that. Because, because I think, again, it's not the best Leo performance. It's not the best Nolan movie here. I love Inception. Again, it's one of my favorites of all time, as many of these movies are. And it was a really good uh, conversation we had uh, with Jake Hughes. One of the Absolutely. Jacob Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> one of the Jake Hughes, yeah. Too many Jacob Hughes on this podcast, I think. But yeah, I mean, Shawshank as well. Another guest episode, obviously. Shut up, Golden Lord. And then Goodfellas was um, a season, season four one. It's pretty recent. I mean, all three of those are or film classics definitely go check those out and uh yeah a lot of a lot of praise and fun discussions i think in those pods but it, it's it's getting hard as, as we come down to nitty-gritty here i mean having those at nine eight and seven are are all very deserving i think all right um yeah so just to reclarify like you said nine eight seven inception nine shawshank eight goodfellas seven rest in peace to ray liotta um, he does have another performance coming out in February. I think his final performance. Are you, are you familiar with what this movie is going to be, Cody? No, I have no idea. All right. Well, it's a movie based on a true story uh, about a, um, a plane carrying some illegal contraband that somewhere or another it goes down and into a forest and there's a, a mammal, maybe a, uh, a grizzly bear that ingests some of the contraband and uh, we end up with the Elizabeth Banks directed film cocaine bear coming out in February uh, Ray Liotta's final performance. Are you excited for that movie? Um, I wouldn't say excited. That's an interesting final performance and it's a really interesting directorial performance from Elizabeth Banks. I didn't know either of those. I have seen um, some of the content for this movie. It looks like a lot of fun, but it kind of just looks like a sci-fi movie as well. So 
I don't know. If it's not on the Sci-Fi Channel in like six months, I'll be very surprised. But yeah, hey, Ray Liotta. Might as well give it one more one more go around. According to his IMDb, there are a couple other movies. Cocaine Bear is completed. There's In Substance, which it says is, or sorry, The Substance, which is in production. Dangerous Waters in post-production. And then El Tanto, which is also completed. Hard to say how much of a role or like where they were at in production when he passed away. So maybe not his final performance, but definitely um, one of the last major ones for him, which, you know, unfortunate way to go out with, with Cocaine Bear. True. <laughs> well, well, maybe he's really good at it. But yeah, true. Good fellas. He's probably not going to live up to that, but one of, one of the greats, you know, and uh, RIP. But yeah, I guess excited for Cocaine Bear just for that, but not really. <laughs> So we got another tie here for our next two films. One of them oh, wow. is going to be just outside the top five looking in. Will it be Goodwill Hunting or The Prestige? I know where I want to go, but I'm curious what your thoughts are, Cody. We, 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 uh, we both ranked these actually opposite. So I, I had Good, Goodwill Hunting 66. You had it 65. You had The Prestige 66. I had it 65. Yeah. And again, uh, another couple of good episodes from season three. Shout out uh, Jake Ross, who again rated Goodwill Hunting 69 out of 69. If you're a guest coming on our show and you're bringing like your all time favorite movie, you better get 69 out of 69. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But oh man, this is unbelievably difficult. Two of my favorite movies. I would put The Prestige ahead. I would guess you would put Goodwill Hunting ahead, but... which is what happened. So it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you were saying? I was. I mean, this is for here's what I'll say. Actually, okay. So it's not I was, that important. I was gonna say Goodwill Hunting should go ahead of the Prestige, but mm-hmm. the Prestige was not produced by the Weinstein Company. So for that reason, we'll rank it higher. <laughs> Fuck Harvey Weinstein, uh, and and that is what dilutes that movie down to six, unfortunately. So we'll go Goodwill Hunting at six, the Prestige at five. Back at keep Harvey out of our top five. Um, uh, yeah i think we're good <laughs> i think we're okay with our top five luckily and yeah to talk a little bit more about prestige as well i mean this probably is my second favorite movie of all time if i'm being completely honest one of no one's best christian bale one of his best hugh jackman's ridiculous scarjo as well I mean, we can go on, and on david bowie is you know out of his mind by far his best performance and yeah i think just not one of the films that you know Nolan is super recognized for a lot of his like early stuff you know memento uh, even the prestige i feel like it's it's forgotten a little bit even though it is ridiculously ridiculous good and some of the best stuff in the past like 20 years but yeah the prestige just the the magic trick of a movie and i don't think it gets much more perfect prestige is a movie i recently rewatched again with with mina for the first time it'll always hold a special place in my heart all the way back from like that very first time i watched it because even when you know the twist, it's, it's still extremely enjoyable to see. I think it just because of box office commercial success is probably where it just wasn't as successful as some of his later works. It wasn't the extreme hit the Inception was, or that Inception was. And, and, and in 2006, it was going up against the uh, Edward Norton classic, The Illusionist. I mean, two magician movies one year. How, how are you supposed to make it work? Yeah, uh, The Illusionist is not a good flick if you've seen that. <laughs> But there's it has more Paul Giamatti movies. though. <laughs> True, the Rhino. I am the Rhino. But <laughs> there should be more magic movies. Just don't release them like within six months of each other, you know. Um, but yeah, now you see me three. Hopefully coming out soon. But I think the Prestige is like 
one of the most rewatchable dramas of all time. And same with Goodwill Hunting, honestly. But just because like the twist is so good, and the more you watch it, like the more you actually understand the film. Like on first watch, you, you don't even understand the film. I feel like, which is super interesting and, and something you don't see a lot. But yeah, uh, actually, we we keep chugging forward. This is gonna be super difficult as we go along. We have another tie. So you know, at four and three, we have two films tied at sixty six, and those would be Moonlight and Arrival again. These are the two films that I rated the highest. So this is going to be difficult. I might have to lean on you in, in our thinking. Well, th- this is tough. Two movies. <laughs> this is really extremely tough. Two movies that came out at very similar times, um, just a year or two apart, both from prolific directors. Obviously, one of them was received uh, better at the awards, but it, it's really tough for me. I, I would go Moonlight ahead of Arrival, but I know Arrival is you know maybe your favorite movie of all time, or at least one of your favorites, you know, top three, top four. Yeah. I would say probably Moonlight. It's really tough because they're both expertly directed movies. I think the acting in Moonlight and the emotional, I mean, they're both very emotional movies. Um, But I think for me, Moonlight's a more important story and that's why I would rather see it at three. Yeah. And I actually back that. I, I saw you put Arrival at four and Moonlight at three. But yeah, it, it is unbelievably difficult because Arrival, it, it's no doubt uh, my favorite movie of all time. Both of them just unbelievably directed, I think. I think Moonlight maybe has a slight edge. And I agree with you. It's like in the writing, in the acting. Marshall Ali, got to shout him out. I, I think just like also the child performances in Moonlight is really astounding and Tell you what, anything Barry Jenkins does going forward, I'm excited for. I know he's got a bunch of stuff lined up, but I mean, you also have to talk about Denis Villeneuve as well. Uh, <laughs> I think he's the best, the best director working today. I don't think it's particularly close, and I think this is a masterpiece. You know, emotionally, Moonlight may have a little bit of an edge, but again, like you have such a sick twist in, in Arrival, it, it's tough to compare the two because they're so different. It's like a sci-fi, you know, kind of adventure film a little bit with the main focus around like, you know, trying to communicate with aliens, which is just such a fun premise versus, you know, a coming of age, like you said, just super important stories. Well, Barry Jenkins. So, I mean, it's so tough, but these hundred percent deserve to be, you know, number three and number four, I guess these are, these are my two highest rated movies that we've done. So I have no complaints that they're up here. I think arrival is probably the more impressive movie in terms of what it accomplishes. Um, but I think Moonlight I think, well, is, is maybe the better movie. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. It's tough. It is so tough to even compare them. Because I feel like even like looking at them visually, you would say, you know, maybe Arrival has the edge. But like the cinematography of Moonlight is just elite. Like it's so hard to argue because they are different. They're both so good in, in their different ways. Yeah, obviously Arrival very strong like very much so a genre film i i think what i meant just is like in in creating the ships themselves is like computer generated effects in creating the language and in making that story work is kind of what's more impressive to me uh, moonlight you know it's it's based on a play it's it, it, the, the story is very well written but it's not necessarily like hard to imagine making that be successful as whereas i think arrival may have been a bit of, of a tougher task um, in the actual production. Moonlight, I'm sure, was the harder one to get greenlit and get actual made. 
um, successfully because of the story it's trying to tell. But two two fantastic films, and and we've got another two fantastic films to 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 wrap up one and two. Uh, again, tied at sixty six and a half. You have Moneyball and Catch Me If You Can. I think Catch Me If You Can. I rated it higher, 68. You gave it a 65. Moneyball, you gave a 67. And uh, I gave a 66. Both of these movies are in my top four all time. It, I mean, I could go either way. Do, do we want to rep baseball or do we want to rep, uh, I don't know, Steven Spielberg con artistry? It's tough. I don't know. I think we can go either way. I did rate Moneyball a little bit higher. That would probably be my vote, honestly, which is kind of funny if Moneyball was our number one. But I don't really know. I mean, Catch Me If You Can is the highest rating from you at 68. So again, I'm down to defer to you. It's so tough because, again, it is such different movies. And I think Moneyball, just personally for me, I like more. But I do think like Catch Me If You Can is a better flick. But I don't know. It's tough. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> They're both incredibly quotable. They both have fantastic lead and supporting performances um, with Pitt and Hill and Moneyball and, and Hanks and DiCaprio and Catch Me If You Can. I think, I mean, and then you've got Walken and Philip Seymour Hoffman and like the third supporting performances. So it, it's really tough. I think, I think that, I think that Walken beats out Philip Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, Moneyball has Chris Pratt. And Catch Me If You Can has Amy yeah. Adams. So which one's oh, better? That's... I think that's an easy pick. <laughs> yeah, that's not the competition. Moneyball has Spike Jones. Catch Me If You Can has Jennifer Garner. I'd probably take Spike at that one. And Martin Sheen. I would. I say we go Catch Me If You Can number one, dude. That's why. I, I think <laughs> you know, for me, I, I would have been okay with either one, but Catch Me If You Can, I think, has been around in my life. Obviously, it's an older movie, but has been more important in my life for a longer period of time. Um, it has always been my favorite movie and purely because of the dual mice <laughs> scene, <Yes. laughs> I think is what deserves to, to have the top spot. Not saying he gets on base is also a fantastic scene for sure, but mm -hmm. doesn't compare to, to Walken's line delivery there. I agree. Christopher Walken for the Nova Road Ring, very deserved. Just a lot for the mouse scene, I think. You could put that movie in the top 10 and then with the rest of the performances and everything, I think it shoots number one. So I back it. Well, that is our top 50 films that we've discussed on Cap. Um, wow. It's also the only 50 films that we've done episodes <laughs> about. Um, to recap the list very quickly, coming in at number 50, The Wrong Missy, number 49, Chicken Little, number 48, Paul Blart, Mall Clop, number 47, Ender's Game, number 46, Jurassic World, number 45, Stalker, number 44, Grown Ups, number 43, Spider-Man 2002, number 42, Star Wars The Last Jedi, number 41, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 40, Top Gun, number 39, Holes, number 38, Midsommar, number 37, Clueless, number 36, War Dogs, number 35, Interstellar, number 34, Elf, number 33, National Treasure, Number 32, The Princess Bride. Number 31, The Truman Show. Number 30, Napoleon Dynamite. Number 29, Men in Black. Number 28, Halloween. Number 27, Booksmart. Number 26, Uncut Joms. Number 25, T2, Judgment Day. Number 24, The Conjuring. Number 23, Fast Five. Number 22, Dazed and Confused. Number 21, Palm Springs. And Cody, what is the top 20 films? Take it away. Love it. All right. For numero 20, 
We have Doom. Vente. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only Spanish I know. We're not doing it. All right, 19, Spider-Man No Way Home. Then at number 18, going back to episode one, Gone Girl. Then 17, we have Her. And then number 16, Jack Black Classic School of Rock. Cracking in at number 15, one of my favorite episodes, Annihilation. And then along with it at 14 is The Martian. Uh, moving into our Caps Top 13 tier with The Batman at 13. And then along with it at 12 is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Maybe a little bit low at 11 is the classic Lady Bird. And then starting the top 10 is the Scorsese uh, Best Picture winner, The Departed. Um, then continuing on at 9 with Not Great Flake Inception. Moving on to the, just the straight-up classics at 8 with Shawshank and 7 with Goodfellas. And then where it gets really difficult for us, moving at number 6 is Goodwill Hunting. What a movie. At number 5, The Prestige. Classic. Number four, my favorite movie, Arrival. At number three, Moonlight. And then the last two, Moneyball and Catch Me If You Can. That is our top 50 movies. What a list. What a time reviewing these movies. And um, I think we nailed this list, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think we did a good job. Um, excited for the next 50, and we hope you join us as, as we continue on to discuss movies. Um, now we're going to give out some awards. Um, for our top 50. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're back. So now we're going to give out some awards and we're going to start with what they usually, you know, end award shows with, with our best actor performance. So um, I think we both have a couple nominees and then maybe we'll kind of get the uh, singular cap winner. And, and if we need a, a second runner up, we can pick one. But for me, my three nominees for best acting performance in a cap film, Matthew McConaughey for Interstellar, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Departed, and Matt huh. Damon for The Martian. All very good picks there. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey is good, but I don't think he's going to be our pick. <laughs> my two nominations, I have Leonardo DiCaprio for The Departed, which you all said. And then I also have Adam Sandler for Uncut Jobs, which uh, I know you're not a massive fan of. But again, there's there's so many to choose from. I think it is funny we both pick Leo for The Departed. and that's I think that's got to be our pick. Yeah, I agree. I say we go with Leo. You know, interesting to see that we don't bring up Matt Damon in that movie. Uh, I think yeah. they're both really good. I think the thing that for me is... Leo does his role super well, but he also very well could have done Matt Damon's role probably better than him as well. Leo pops up in, I think, three or four different movies we've done, um, but I think The Departed is definitely his best performance of, of all of them. Agreed. Yeah, I think Matt Damon is just as good in that movie as him. It's tough to pick between those two, and um, he's great in The Martian as well. It's, that's a great shout. That The movie's pretty much on his back, I would say, but uh, it's hard to argue against, you know, a Boston accent and Leo. So I, I, I agree. All right, moving on to best actress, Cody, uh, who do you want to nominate? Um, I think we have, we'll have some similar nominations here. Uh, my first one is uh, Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird, which I think is the obvious pick. And then I also had Amy Adams for Rival, which would probably be my favorite. And then lastly, I wanted to shout out uh, Linda Hamilton for Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I think very overlooked and uh, I think she's ridiculously good in that movie. So I want to shout out her as well, but yeah. What are your noms? The best See, actress. I, I like that we're doing this. Cause you know, it kind of can give some shout outs to maybe one's 
we forget. Obviously, there's 50 movies, ton of performances. Hard to remember everything. I, I like that Linda Hamilton shout. That's a good one. Um, I, I back it. I said Amy Adams for Arrival and Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird as well. Um, my third was uh, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, which I thought about throwing in the supporting actress ca- category. Um, she is technically the titular Gone Girl, um, and, and she takes up, I would say, at least half the movie. Um, so I, I wanted to give her a shout in Best Actress, although I don't think she should be the winner. The question is, do we go Amy Adams or do we go Saoirse Ronan? Yeah, that's where it gets difficult. Um, I would probably vote Saoirse Ronan, but I mean, I'd be happy with either one. Those are both, I think, clearly the, the best performances from the ladies out of our top 50 movies. I my thing is I don't know who else could do the Lady Bird Saoirse Ronan performance as well, whereas I think maybe that there's a couple actresses in Amy Adams kind of age range pedigree yeah. that could do Arrival. You've also got like a lot of there is great supporting performances in Lady Bird, but I think that movie more hinges on her than Arrival hinges purely on Amy Adams. Renner's doing some work. <laughs> <laughs> i guess i mean arrival's cast is like four people so i don't know if i agree with that entirely aliens are really helpful though <laughs> true that is true uh they had, they had a lot of screen time presence but i i do agree i think like for the caliber of actor that Saoirse ronan already is in that point in her life i don't think like you said pretty much any anybody else could have done that at that time so yeah i i we make her best actress all right let's move on to best supporting actor um, a lot of great options here. Um, I, I went for two shouts. Obviously, Mahershala Ali, he won the Oscar for the role. But another great one, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas is, is a classic as well. So um, two just knockout performances. Yeah, I didn't even think about Pesci. That is a great shout. What do you think? I'm funny? Call me funny? Uh, funny how? <laughs> uh, one of the best scenes I think I've always and um, I, of course, did have Mahershala Ali for Moonlight Down as well. Um, just like screen time presence um, for the amount of time he's on on screen is ridiculous. And uh, I do think he should be the pick. But as well, I did want to shout out Tyler Perry for Gone Girl. Good shout. Um, good shout. I, I did try to recast him, but he is good <laughs> in the movie. That was, again, an abomination of a recast. But uh Oh, Tyler Perry is unbelievable in Gone Girl and maybe like the most surprising performance out of all the movies, I think. Even though it was, it was episode one, I think it's still relevant. But um, I, I would probably throw my foot towards Mahershala. Um, what are you thinking? I, I think we do got to go Mahershala Ali. Uh, we both had him and it, it's definitely like that. That might just be the best performance <laughs> in yeah. any movie <laughs> on our top 50 list. It is incredible, especially for as little screen time as he has. He's going to be Blade if that movie ever comes out. Obviously, if there's some Supposedly. production issues and, you know, Marvel might be kind of restructuring some of the stuff they do. Uh, but Mahershala Ali, he's incredible. And, and I can't wait to see him kind of lead something further. Um, oh, yeah. MCU. I, I do love the Tyler Perry shout. Dude doesn't get enough respect or love, I, I think, from like the mainstream audiences. Um, dude's worth over a billion dollars because of, uh, of everything he's created himself. You know, love or hate the Medea movies, they are commercially extremely successful. Um, and <laughs> as a businessman, as an actor, as a filmmaker, he's great. Um, I know they shot some of the Black Panther stuff, you know, using some of his studios and sets. Um, and, you know, he's just a powerful guy. And, 
and you know doesn't is is kind of hung back and you know maybe doesn't get the love or respect he deserves sometimes. True, I think specifically his performance in in Gone Girl is just so out of character from what he normally does and, and super fun. Uh, but yeah, Mahershala Ali. I mean, just that that specific scene of him like breaking down after you know having to tell him that you know he does sell drugs to his mom. Just powerful stuff, man. It, it really is, and it just connects, I think, with me and a lot of other people as well. So, I think that's a great choice. But uh, yeah, so we keep moving along. Switched up. You should go ahead and tell me your nominee for uh, best supporting actress. So uh, I, I know I said I guess Lady Bird, you know, really hinges on Saoirse Ronan, but it also hinges on another character, and that's Laurie Metcalf, her mother. Uh, fantastic oh. in in the screen time she has and then the other one i got to give the shout out to scarlett johansson while we never see her on screen just pure voice work it incredibly impressive stuff um you know she says she can play anything she can play a tree she can play any race she wants she can also play a robot apparently um but scarjo is is great in her that was a great pick i considered her for her as well as the prestige and yeah, that opening scene and, and lady bird is great obviously with um, Sheldon Cooper's mom, whatever her name is. But uh, I actually did have a performance from Lady Bird as well, but it was actually Beanie Feldstein, who mm. I was looking at. And then my other nomination is actually Zoe Kravitz for the Batman. Um, I think this category maybe is the most wide open of out, of, out of all of them. There's no, I feel like, clear and obvious choice. I don't know. What do you think? I think ScarJo is is a really good pick, and I kind of forgot about that. Just because she makes such an impact on the movie without even like seeing her face, which I think is ridiculous. So that that would probably be my vote. But yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, I I think we go Scarjo here, but I I do want to give a runner up to Beanie. I, I think she's great as well, and that, that's a good shout. Definitely a huge up and coming star. I think this is an important time to like kind of recognize that maybe we didn't do a great job in picking these movies, but also it's, it's an overarching issue in Hollywood in, in just terms of, you know, way that women appear on screen and the kind of characters and the roles that they get to have. And the reason the supporting actress category is so wide open and there's so many great supporting actress categories is because a lot of the movies that we have here, you know, centered around men and the women often play supporting roles in these films. So there's a ton of great performances here and there's a ton of great characters just purely, you know, maybe because of some failings we made while picking movies and, and because of some greater issues in Hollywood as a whole. Absolutely. And I think that's why all the people we just dominated are from, you know, more modern movies from supporting actors. So hopefully the tide is changing and um, like these actresses deserve more prominent and better roles. They deserve to be the, the protagonists and antagonists. And I think Hollywood is changing for the better in that. So hopefully, as you know, we keep doing the show. You know, it does continue in that trend at least. Surprised there was no shout for uh, Ana de Armas and War Dogs. <laughs> I know you <laughs> love that. True. One. I wanted to. I was looking through all of Ana's performances and um, tried to snipe one for this category, but yeah, War Dogs is a tough one because you know <laughs> she she barely spoke English, but uh, she is still decent enough at that. But yeah, sadly missed out on the nom. All right, let's move on to uh, best child performance. We we didn't do oh. a worst child performance, but I do got to shout out a couple. We've kind of mentioned them as we go, but Fred Savage, awful uh, um, in The Princess Bride. Everybody that's in Ender's Game, terrible. <laughs> uh, all the children that is. And, and then, of course, Steinfeld. Miranda, Miranda Cosgrove in, in School of Rock, also not a great performance. Um, but the people that were good, uh, mm. I got to go Mackenzie Foy, Interstellar, Young Murph, of course. 
Oh, uh, that's a good one. Eddie yeah. Furlong in T2, which I imagine will pop up on your list. And then yeah. Shia LaBeouf in Holes. Uh, three solid wow. kid performances. That's a great list. And uh, mine is actually very similar. I had Shia LaBeouf in Holes as well. And then um, Eddie Furlong in T2 um, as well, too. And then my last one is actually uh, Lawrence from School of Rock. Obviously, we had the bad with Miranda Cosgrove. But just the vibe of, of Larry himself. I think really kind of holds that that classroom and that movie together. So I wanted to shout him out. But I actually really, really like um, Mackenzie Foy for Interstellar. I think like that transition from child actor to adult actress to Jessica Chastain is one of the best in any movie. Um, that would actually be my pick. Just because like the Murph, Matthew McConaughey stuff at the beginning, I think that's the best part of Interstellar. Like it, it low-key like makes me tear up. So that'd be my pick. I, I think that is probably the best child performance. You're probably right. I, I think in the Conjuring episode, you 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 said it plainly that Mackenzie Foy is one of the best child performances yeah. you've ever seen. Um, I think you you hit on the the transition between her and Chastain is I think everything that the it transitions wanted to be, um, but yeah. is extremely more successful. Mackenzie Foy also plays the the child of uh, Edward and Bella in the in the Twilight Saga. So. As a, as a very young child in, in that. So not a great performance there, but I, th- I think we take Mackenzie Foy as, as number one for sure. I back it. And yeah, she could have been in the uh, the episode where we were talking about people who need new agents in Hollywood. We, we may have forgot about her because that Twilight cast is really bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, lo- like actually moving forward, she could be as, like a up and coming star Loki. So kind of under the radar right now though and uh i think that's a great choice from us now all right and moving on to best directed movie i i actually had a lot of picks for this and uh I, i'm sure you did as well but um scorsese for goodfellas barry jenkins for moonlight nolan for the prestige denis villeneuve for arrival and uh you're gonna hate this but ryan johnson for the last jedi are, are all oh my, my god <laughs> Oh, you threw that one in. Just pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I agree with those. Brian Johnson. Maybe if you said for, um, you know, the mystery movie, maybe. But uh, we'll just ignore that. I pretty much agree with you. I mean, I, I could have every single one of those down as well. I did have Scorsese for Goodfellas, Nolan for The Prestige, and then Spielberg for Catch Me If You Can. But I mean, yeah, Denis for Arrival and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight as well are obviously ridiculously good. I don't know. <laughs> surprised you didn't throw. I I'm surprised no uh, Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. That's true. That is a a really well directed movie. I mean, I feel like with our top fifteen, you could throw the director in, and uh, I would be against it. But I don't know. Where are you leaning? Now, I do have one specific that I was thinking, but I'll defer to you first. I think it's it's a toss up between two, but I think we mm-hmm. go Goodfellas right the wrongs he didn't get the 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 win and back, all the way back in 1990 so for me it's good fellas i think moonlight's a close second but you know it might pop up in in some of these later categories yeah no uh that's what i was thinking actually uh let's let's lock it in scorsese for good fellas best director all right and then uh moving on to the best written movie um i didn't throw gerwig in for director because i wanted her here for ladybird uh, also, shout outs, by, uh, I think Coffin wrote it, but uh, Her, uh, Gone Girl, Palm Springs, and The Shawshank Redemption. All good, well, extremely well-written films. Yeah, all good noms. I only had two, and they're different from yours. 
I had Moneyball, Aaron Sorkin, come on. And then I also had uh, Matt Ben for Goodwill Hunting. Um, As I was I reading this list, I realized, you know what? Didn't put Goodwill <laughs> Hunting on here. And I think that might be the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I would back that. I think Greta Gerg is also a, a very good option, but I think Goodwill Hunting script is is maybe the best out of all of those, which is pretty insane. But that would probably be where I lean. Yeah, let's let's follow in the footsteps of the Academy for this one. Uh, Goodwill <laughs> Hunting, terrible omission for me, and we'll, we'll throw Lady Bird <laughs> as the closest runner. -up. I like it. All right, best shot movie is essentially a cinematography award. For me, my noms are The Truman Show, Dune, and Moonlight. Nice. Those are all great noms. I actually had um, all different ones. I had well, Dune probably should be on my list to be fair, but uh, I have Inception, crazy film, Interstellar, surprisingly, just the visuals on that are unbelievable, and then a fun one I threw in as well, The Amazing Spider-Man Two. I mean, visually, it's uh, it's up there with No Way Home, I think, and maybe Mysterio, but I think it is visually probably the best Spider-Man movie. So I wanted to shout that out. Man, we, we can go any direction with this, I would think. I would be probably between, I mean, I don't know. I would probably say Dune or Interstellar, just from a visual standpoint. But, I mean, cinematography or just visuals, I guess, whatever you want to call this category, best shot, you can judge it so many different ways. Like, you could do specific shots, you could do practical effects, visual effects. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think we go Dune here. It was shot by Greg Frazier. He also was cinematographer on uh, Rogue One and Zero Dark Thirty. He he's he's really good, and I I think the mixing of the CGI and the real world aspects and it, everything looks extremely practical and extremely um, tactile. The the sand and the drying it, it feels so real, and I I think that's um, a testament to to both what Frazier and and Denis uh, were able to pull off in Dune. Yeah, I 100% back that. Visually, I mean, just one of the most interesting uh, movies, I think, on our list. So, yeah, I back it. I think as as a collective uh, filmography, Denis Villeneuve's uh, visual style is maybe one of my favorites. Um, you know, the stuff he does in, in 2049 um, as well. You know, Enemy, Arrival, Dune, Prisoners. There's the, the scene of uh, Gyllenhaal going to the hospital in, in the rain is, yeah. is one of my favorite scenes directed and in, in shot of all time. He's yeah, fantastic. I couldn't, I could not agree more. I mean, prisoners is one of my favorite movies as well. I actually I checked out 2049 this past week. So I want to talk about my Rex. but uh, yeah, Denis, I said it before. I, I think he is the best working director today and it's not particularly close. So big shout out to him. All right. And uh, moving on to best music, best score, best soundtrack. I want to describe it. Um, I, I had two picks here, and it, it's not too surprising that they're both Nolan films and they're both Hans Zimmer scores um, in Interstellar and Inception. I, I think the music for both is incredible. In terms of, you know, I'm never, I've never been a guy who's like super like, oh, I can recognize this music score or like really like think about that after the fact. Like I think if, if a score is done right, it adds to the movie and it's just, you know, it, it just becomes one with the movie. It's, it's hard to almost separate as its own entity. But for me, Inception and Interstellar um, are probably the most recognizable outside of maybe, you know, the Dune or, or the Batman. But I don't think those are as good um, despite being recognizable. 
Yeah, that's fair. Those are a couple of interesting picks for me, honestly. I think um, I would maybe disagree with both of those. I mean, Interstellar, the the main theme of Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just Hans Zimmer just, you know, banging on his organ as last he can. But the, the Interstellar, like, theme is really, really good. I, I agree with you there. Uh, my picks are a lot different. I, I think I was more, like, soundtrack-based, different to, like, score, which I think you focus on a lot. Days to Confused, obviously. Um, School of Rock such good music top gun great soundtrack i mean kenny loggins tough to beat and then i wanted to shout out grown-ups as well uh, <laughs> underrated soundtrack it, you know when you're watching the movie it doesn't stand out as a great soundtrack i don't think but if you like go back and and actually listen to all the songs i, I think it's underrated I mean, i don't know I, I think we could go we could go score wise i would be happy with inception for sure that's an unbelievable score huh? i think it, let's let's split it up let's go score mm-hmm. so between okay. my two, let's pick inception for best score and then soundtrack uh what do you think i, I would probably go dazed and confused because i think the music I, in that is so good yeah it's top between gun is also great confused. Top gun, I, I would vote school of rock but i would be happy with dazed and confused as well I think both of those, like every single song is, is iconic, but Days of Confused, like it has those classic hits from like the seventies and eighties. So I, I would lean that way too. I, I do want to say, you know, when we did the Days and Confused episode, uh, you know, we, we were just, you know, talking, nothing, nothing crazy, <laughs> nothing going on, but our, our good friend, Jack Samira, <laughs> guest of the show, uh, uh, had, a, had an issue with our, our analysis of one of the songs, Hurricane. Yeah. He 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 said we that's not what the song's about. Um, we we tr- pr- decided to provide some uh, extra text to the uh, to the song that maybe doesn't exist. <laughs> True. Uh, good retcon. You know, so it's good back to to recognize our mistakes. But yeah, you know th- that was a, a fun episode, and you know I I don't blame us entirely for maybe messing up a couple times. So. Shout out. When was that? When we recorded it back in like April or something? I, I think so. But yeah, <laughs> good episode. Go check that one out too. Moving on to most underrated movie. Cody, uh, what's your most underrated movie? This one was tough because we have a lot of very good movies and a lot of movies that I wouldn't consider underrated, but maybe other people would. I put The Departed in here just because everybody always rags on it as oh, how did this one win, you know, best picture for Scorsese is whatever. Um, but I think it's one of his best. So I want to throw that in. But then my other two, Booksmart and Annihilation. I think it, nobody talks about Annihilation. And it, it really is one of the most interesting movies I've ever seen in my life. So th- those are my two thoughts. Kind of just like under the radar stuff more than, I don't know if, if really underrated. But yeah, what were you thinking? I like I like Annihilation for that th- thought process of, you know, like just underseen almost. Um, yeah. For me, I went with a movie that I think is kind of overhated almost. And that's The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because there's a lot of great stuff in that movie. You know, it's there's a lot of problems for sure, but, but there's also a lot of fun and good stuff that I think because of, you know, Dane DeHaan and <laughs> other things in that movie, people don't appreciate what we had with The Amazing Spider-Man too uh i backed that completely <laughs> like i said earlier that's one of my like legitimate guilty pleasure movies i love that movie for some reason and dane dehan is great at it so i don't know what you're talking about but uh yeah i would 100 be down for, for for that to be our pick a lock in amazing spider-man too cool all right most overrated movie uh, i'll get it off with one and this uh, is purely you know box office 
critical, you know, success wise, it's gotta be Jurassic world. I think that movie sucks. And you know, like we ragged on it, we called it out. So I don't necessarily need to do any more of that. And and I I feel bad for, for maybe how hard we were, you know, on, on Sebastian's favorite movie, but, uh, or not maybe his favorite, but you know, a movie that he enjoys a lot. Uh, but for me, I think that's easily our most overrated film that we've talked about. That's a good pick. Shout out to Sebastian as well. Um, one of our more avid listeners. And uh, yeah, we got to have him back on again. Oh yeah, but definitely. Loved doing that episode with him. That is a good one. I have three choices and I feel like most of them are just personal. But I'll throw them out. Obviously, The Last Jedi. I mean, what, what does that have? Like, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> yeah, like 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. And then Interstellar, of course, as well. Pretty beloved. And then something I was talking about earlier, too, The Truman Show. I think that movie is criminally overrated. But uh, I, I forgot about The Lost World. That, that kind of I lost that one in translation. So I'd be happy with any one of those four. Shout out Jimmy Fallon from uh, Jurassic World. Great bit. But yeah, that movie is not very good. Jimmy Buffett too, cameo in Jurassic World. Um, I True. listen. I like Interstellar, and I, I don't think I don't. I, I don't could see the Truman thing, Show. But... I could take the Truman Show as being overrated because while I like it a lot, I do think it is overrated. Okay, I see. We go with that. Yeah, All Interstellar. Right. I mean, we'll go the truth. Sorry, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Rip Trev. Yeah. And and Jackson too. He loves that movie, but you know whatever. I think he loves Interstellar more, so I'm sure True. he'll be fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, best date movie. This this was a oh. fun one. You know what? What would you watch with a with a significant other on a date? Um, Cody, take it away. What What do you think are the best date movies we've discussed? You know, there are some good picks. I think the obvious ones are the, the comedies, but I'll stay mostly away from those. Actually, not really, but just away from Adam Sandler. My nominations. First off, I'm going Elf. I think it's a great holiday, you know, choice uh, with a date. Uh, my next one is going to be Clueless. Uh, for obvious reasons and then ferris bueller's day off i think is the obvious obvious choice and uh would probably be my pick but uh yeah what, what were your noms i got i got three different ones from you surprisingly nice. but going in in the vein of like the rom-com i think palm springs is a great one school of rock childhood classic if you just want to have a fun with your significant other and then the classic i think a horror movies are great to watch on a date because you know you get oh they get scared they get you know cuddle up against you a little bit so i gotta go with the conjuring uh for, for mm. a great date movie as well but i think ferris bueller that's a pretty solid pick unless you you want to go somewhere else yeah that would probably be my my best pick the horror uh angle is a good point i didn't even think of that but i feel like ferris ferris bueller's day off it's just so much fun i feel like it is the most fun movie there's a good relationship at the center of it as well, which is is, yeah. is fitting, you know. And it's like, oh, like we could go do those things as well after we watch it. Like, I really want to go to Chicago. Like literally, like let's it. go yeah. to the top of the Willis Tower. Let's go to the the Museum of Art. Let's get jump let's, in a parade. Yeah, it, let's live some stuff. yeah, uh, twisted show. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could do that, but yeah, that that would be my pick. I think that's almost the perfect day movie. I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a great one. Also, just a great one to watch with anybody. I, I think just in sure. terms of just like watch it with your family, watch it by yourself. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Best to watch in a theater. This is an interesting one. Um, so for me, I went with a movie that on the podcast I said I, I re- deeply regretted having never seen it in the theater. And that's Annihilation. And then I'll go with two that I did see in the movie theater. Fast Five, one of my earliest movie Ooh. going experiences. Definitely a good one to see in a movie theater. And then, of course, 
Spider-Man No Way Home at time yeah. of release theater going experience, probably the, the best one. Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, that, that's on my list as well. I feel like that's the obvious pick. Annihilation is a great one. I didn't even think about that. I wish I saw that in theaters. I think that would be so much fun. My other two picks, maybe obvious again, but Interstellar, I mean, come on. I, I never want to watch that movie again. But if I do, like, I would want to see it in the theater just for that experience. And then Dune as well. I think that's another one. Just visually, it's like you have to see it on the big screen. But yeah, I say I, I defer to you here. I think I've been making a couple of picks. What, what are you thinking? I think Spider-Man No Way Home is like an obvious choice, but I will say I got a chance to see it. I think I've seen this movie three times in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three times. Uh, maybe four, actually. <laughs> Did you? I thought you saw the extended cut too, didn't you? Well, so yeah, that's the thing. I went and, <laughs> and re-saw it uh, for National Cinema Day back in, I think, September. Yeah. So I've seen it more recently in theaters, but I will say is the thing that makes seeing that in a theater great is the collective experience and the initial reactions, not yeah. necessarily the visuals of the movie or the fact that you're seeing it on the big screen or the sound. Whereas I think... Annihilation and Dune would be better picks in terms of movie going experience. I did see Dune in theaters. It it was really, I think that's probably part of the reason why I love it maybe more than some people because it is like true movie going experience. I back that. That was on, that was on my list as well. And um, I mean, it, it the knee, I think at his visual best. So I back it. I, I said we go Dune. Yeah, let's lock in Dune. Very excited to see Dune too. Uh, personal goal: I'm I'm tr- really trying. Mina and I are trying to go to the Venice Film Festival next year, and, really, and hopefully see uh, Dune Tune premiere. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, it would be sick. pretty cool. And then finally, our last award to give out: most rewatchable movie. Cody, take it away. What are your noms? Yeah, this is a great category. I think um, we can nominate a lot of ones. First off the bat, The Princess Bride. Uh, throwing it back to season two i think i said about 10 times that episode that this is super rewatchable and corbin disagreed every time but on my other picks fast five which you mentioned uh, another movie i've seen way too many times and then lastly uh the nick cage classic national treasure you know like like you said i feel like i've memorized all the historical facts in that movie because i've seen it so many times and i think the key to this category is you know quotable and uh just fun and all three of those fit but uh i'd love to hear your choices i would guess you're gonna have like holes in here maybe chicken little but uh yeah what do you think <laughs> holes would have been a good one but I, I didn't throw it up it is extremely watchable um obviously catch me if you can just yeah that's pure a good one. quotability and probably the of these 50 movies either catch me if you can my next pick school of rock or Holes are probably the three movies I've seen the most in my lifetime. Um, so those two for sure, Catch Me Can't School Rock. And then a, th- a third one, which is a little bit later in life watch, but Dazed and Confused as well, I think is just extremely rewatchable because it's very much just a vibe hangout type movie. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think we should go here, Cody? I think we should go with Catch Me If You Can, if I'm being honest. I, I forgot about that. That's definitely up there with one of the most movies I've seen as well, the most times. And it, it, it like met my categories perfectly. I think it, it is super fun and it's ridiculously quotable. So I say we go with that. Absolutely. Well, that is our awards. And, and just to recap our winners, our best acting performance goes to Leonardo DiCaprio for The Departed. 
Our best actress performance goes to Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Our best supporting actor goes to Mahershala Ali in Moonlight. Best supporting actress, Scarlett Johansson for her. Best child performance was Mackenzie Foy in Interstellar. Our best directed movie was Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Our best written movie was Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Our best shot movie was Dune, Greg Frazier, of course, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Best music uh, or best score was Inception. Um, Shout out to Hans Zimmer. And then our best soundtrack, uh, we decided Dazed and Confused. Our most underrated movie, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Our most overrated movie, The Truman Show. Best date movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Best movie to see in the theater, Dune. And the most rewatchable movie of Caps 50 movies is Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, I think it's a perfect ending to that category as well. Ending with, you know, our number one movie being the most rewatchable. I think it hits it, uh, you know, right on the head. Um, but yeah, Very much the list. reason the reason why it was at the top, because... Catch yeah. Me If You Can is probably not, again, like the most technically sound or the best movie of those 50, but because it is so damn rewatchable, we have such an affection for it. Yep, agreed. And uh, I do want to shout out all of, we've had a lot of guests on the show, but I want to shout out the ones mm-hmm. specifically that have come in and come you know, to talk about movies. The initial idea I had for this podcast was a show where we we take our friends and we tell them, hey, you know, What's a movie you love? And let's talk about it. Because I think I love doing the episodes with you, but I also love having people on because, you know, it's so interesting to see whether it's, you know, Sebastian in, in Jurassic World or, or Emmy McLaughlin in um, The Wrong, wrong Missy. <laughs> you know, just kind of see these movies, like movies that they enjoy. And, you know, whether yeah. you know, maybe it's a movie we haven't seen before, but it's so fun to, to talk about people's favorite movies and, and why they enjoy them. And that's what this is about. It's about, you know, this podcast is about you and I, you know, continuing a connection, you know, despite living 10 hours away from each other um, and continuing a connection with all of our friends. And yeah, there's so many people to shout out guest wise. I think the best example of if you're going to come on is Austin uh, Nightenhauser. <laughs> maybe don't pick, you know, the best movie of all time. You picked Ender's Game, which is an atrocious movie. But it's so interesting to talk about. And yeah, like you said, I feel like just bringing people on and just bringing their perspective in. Because I feel like our perspective is is pretty known, um, you know, in the podcast now. Yeah, and we typically come from a similar place and we know yeah. where each other are coming from. So throwing in the guest is always a great addition. Agreed. And we need more guests. If you're listening to this right now and you want to come on the show, hit us up immediately. We're going to say yes. So just <laughs> ask. But uh, and yeah, if you were a past guest as well in, in these 50, again, hit us up again because uh, we'll probably be hitting you up. Uh, I think we should you know, start circling back because we've had a ton of fun guests and I'm sure they have more movies to talk about. Just, just to shout them out and to say thank you uh, to all these people. Season one, episode four, we had Spider-Man featuring Connor Van Overberg. Going into season two, episode two, we had Interstellar featuring Aiden Cotter. Season two, episode four, Palm Springs featuring Jackson Mihuron. Moving on, season two, episode 12, The Shawshank Redemption featuring Colton Boren. Season two, episode 14, Ender's Game featuring Austin Neitenhelzer. Season two, episode 17, Elf featuring Hayden Malkowski. Season two, episode 20, The Truman Show featuring Trevor Van Overberg. Season two, episode 23, Clueless featuring Mina Naki. Season three, episode eight, The Wrong Missy featuring Emmy McLaughlin. <laughs> season 
uh, three, episode 12, Jurassic World featuring Jacob Sebasti, season three, episode 16, Napoleon Dynamite featuring Jacob Sullivan, uh, season three, episode 20, Goodwill Hunting featuring Jake Ross, season three, episode 21, Inception featuring Jacob Hughes. Uh, season Is that like four straight Jacobs right there. Well, we've, <laughs> uh, we've had a lot on the show. Definitely our most popular guest name. Um, season three, episode 25, Ferris Bueller's day off featuring Jack. Hello. Mix it up. Yeah. Um, not Jacob, the star of my film contactless shout out to him. Um, as well, moving on season four, episode eight, Paul Blart mall cop featuring Ben Smith season four, episode 10, the conjuring featuring Abby Finer season four, episode 11, Halloween featuring Tyler Cagle. And, um, yeah, that's all of them. Shout out to all of our guests. Really appreciate all of them coming in and talking about, you know, some of their favorite movies or, or at least movies that they enjoyed discussing. Absolutely. Love our guests. All right. Let's move on to We Have a Podgorithm. Yeah. Season four. Season four. Of course, the new deck, this game where we draw a random movie card and then have to give our hot take opinion on it for the next 30 seconds movie is captain marvel this, this is an interesting one. Oh, interesting i don't think we've talked about this in a very long time do you want to start us off uh yeah sure captain marvel captain marvel with this movie i, I don't remember the names of the directors um for this movie i believe it was a pair i'm just gonna look it up captain marvel um, director i should tell now yes oh. it was uh directed by two people anna Bowden and ryan fleck they're oh. uh yeah you don't know who they are right <laughs> this no. is a typical marvel movie where they pulled two indie directors to come in and make the movie that realistically they probably didn't have a lot of say or power in creating and it was very much a studio film and there was a million different writers for this movie there's three listed because that's all you're allowed to have listed but there's another five people that worked on the story um and who knows however many other people in the writer's room at any given time brie larson's fine in the lead uh samuel jackson strength like just some strange like ben mendelson jude law jamin hansu your boy uh just kind of some weird performances i think very much this is a movie that would have been better off with a singular writer director just getting to kind of tell a story rather than kind of getting stuck in the Marvel machine at a very integral point in the Marvel storytelling. This movie obviously came out in 2019, you know, right around, you know, in between infinity war and Endgame and everything that was happening with that. I think it kind of just suffers because of that. Obviously it's the first, you know, female protagonist in a Marvel film. So people are already going to hate it because of that, but you know, I'm excited for the Marvels and uh, Nia DaCosta, uh, maybe a more seasoned director taking that on. Yeah. I agree with everything you're saying. I think uh, directorial wise, you know, they didn't even really make a choice. They kind of just, it it seems like the most studio Marvel movie of all time. I feel like if uh, maybe if they gave this to Chloe Zhao at the right time or, or Nia DaCosta, obviously, she's getting the sequel, thank God. But uh, I am excited for the sequel. I think this movie has tons of issues and none of it really has to do with the cast. Uh, Jude Law is bad, but I mean, the writing for his character is bad. Like, supposedly he's the villain, but then there's this other, uh, you know, hierarchical girl who is also the villain. I don't even understand the plot, mostly, to be honest. But like Brie Larson and Sam Jackson and even Agent Coulson back is fun. And having it, you know, set in a different time period is cool. 
Um, and also, like you said, it's literally split in between the two Avengers movies. So kind of nobody wanted to see it, and it had nothing to do with the Avengers movies. Uh, you know, they literally snapped everyone out of existence. It was like, hey, this happened, you know, in the 80s. And everyone was like, we don't care. And it's also really poorly written. So I'm super excited for the sequel. I think Brie Larson is a great choice for Captain Marvel. But I think this was just wrong time and uh, wrong place for this movie. But hopefully we will see like better character development in the sequel for her. Yeah, the, their whole handling of Captain Marvel has been pretty poor in general, I would say. You know, it is unfortunate because like Brie Larson was filming the scenes for Endgame before they even made Captain Marvel. Yep. So she like didn't even really know who the character was or what it was going to be. It just unfortunate, kind of poor timing. Um, but, you know, for as successful as they were for, you know, 10, 12 years to have, you know, a, a couple missteps in there is it, going to happen. I do want to shout out Lashana Lynch. Um, she's very good in this she's also very good in the woman king uh that came out earlier this year and you know i i had the hot take i bet you 20 dollars it wasn't getting any noms at the academy awards uh i might be eating my uh yeah. eating my lunch or eating <laughs> eating my words and uh when it gets nominated for best picture here <laughs> in a couple yes months. you're gonna be buying a cadoba for me uh for lunch one of these days but yeah that, in hindsight that probably was not a great bet but uh yeah, Nina DaCosta. Honestly, dude, I really wish they would have given her um, the original Captain Marvel because she is a really good director, I think. But uh, yeah, the second one looks pretty good. Throw in a couple other Marvels. Miss Marvel was a fun show. I think uh, it, it should, like, no doubt, better than the original. So at least we have that for us. All right, let's move on to our recommendations. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up. Oh, wow. A minute since we've recorded, so I'm sure there's a lot to discuss. But uh, I'll let you take things away, Cody. What What have you been yeah. into recently? It has been a while since um, we've recorded, so I'm I'm sure that you have gone through a lot of stuff. I've been going through some as well. I'll keep you a little bit brief. Um, I'm still making my way through The Wire. That's sort of the show I'm binging currently. I just finished season two, and. I don't think season two is the best out of all the seasons. I believe there's five and uh, season one was very good. Season two is kind of meh. We go from, you know, this, this drug dealing, you know, uh, crackdown case with uh, a great villain in, in Barksdale in season one and such like just such great characters in season one of just like people who aren't that important to the story. A, a young Michael B. Jordan who actually ends up dying at the end of season one is uh, phenomenal. Probably the best character in the entire season. But season two, it focuses instead on like, uh, it's like a docking scandal. Um, it's got Holly from The Office. Um, it takes a different direction. It still has like Barksdale in prison, more in the background and Idris Elba is kind of, you know, becoming this, this great villain, which is going to be in season three and, and moving on. So I'm excited for that, but season two wasn't the best. Anywho, been checking out a lot of movies as well. Uh, I mentioned Blade Runner 2049 earlier, so I might as well just talk about that. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, man, this movie's uh, pretty damn good. Uh, I could throw out a lot of curse words about how good it is, but I won't. Um, Ryan Gosling, perfect casting. I don't understand how this guy's so good and everything. Kind of ridiculous. Ana de Armas, gotta shout her out. Even Harrison Ford in like 10 minutes is pretty good, surprisingly. Did not expect that uh, for him to be good. But 
this honestly might be the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Um, cinematography, just out, out of this world stuff. Um, and Denis Villeneuve, I'm trying to watch all of his films, and I finally got around to watching this one. I obviously wanted to watch the the original first, which I did earlier in the year. But if you haven't seen uh, 2049, definitely check it out. I was actually chatting with um, our boy Jake Junior Ross as well about it, because I know it's one of his personal favorites. But uh, it's 100% a five-star movie for me. So definitely check that out. A couple other movies I watched. I don't remember I talked about this last time, but I, I checked out Isle of Dogs, which is a Wes Anderson um, stop-motion film. Super fun. I checked that out if you haven't. And then, dude, I saw Nope as well for the first time. Finally saw that film. And uh, it is very good. I, I do like Get Out, I think, a little bit more in, in term of, terms of Jordan Peele's filmography. But Daniel Kalu is great. Kiki Palmer is amazing. I want to see her in so much more stuff. And then uh, like the Stephen Yen storyline in it, honestly, is probably my favorite part. And he's not even in the movie that long. Um, but yeah, the ending, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it just because of the whole spoiler, I guess. But if you're still listening at this point, who cares? But obviously, it's like an organism at the end. And the visuals are cool. I don't know if I love that choice. I really love like the the main themes of you know like um, you know a predator is always going to be a predator um, and just like oh showmanship of humans will <laughs> do anything if if they can make money off it basically the Stephen Yen especially part of that obviously well, and then the, 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 the that short you know entrance of the TMZ character also plays very heavily into that. There's there's a ton of great themes in this about like you said, you know, trying to capture, you know, wildlife or in, in the unknown on film. And, and uh, yeah, like you said, the ways, you know, humans take advantage of the natural world to a certain degree. Yeah. And I think that's the strong part of Nope is, is like the writing. Um, I feel like the more you think about the movie, like the deeper the themes go. So I love that a lot. Definitely check that out too. It's on uh, Peacock now. And, that, and Nope is a, is a cool transition for him because you know it's it's kind of a horror movie but it it is like it's like jaw it's like a spielberg movie to a certain degree it's it's so large scale i mean he's continuing to get bigger and bigger budgets as he's making these projects this movie didn't do as well at the box office sadly but um yeah like if if jordan peele is basically our our next steven spielberg in the kinds of films he's creating yeah i'm I'm okay with that well i'm on board with that as well but Oh yeah, anything this guy produces, um, you know, you know that we're gonna be in line to see it. So shout out to him. And the last flick I checked out for the first time, I've been watching a lot of good movies for a change, which I really like. I checked out Spotlight. Um, I believe it was Best Picture winner. No, I, I believe so. But uh, yeah, the performances really carry this movie. I think uh, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, obviously um, Bruce Banner himself, uh, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> honestly this this is probably the best mark ruffle i've seen i think in the past i've probably dogged on him a lot i i genuinely don't think he's a very good actor if i'm being completely honest but this is probably the best thing i've seen him in just shout out to him michael keaton as well is one of the best i i think from him as well in this movie but yeah that's pretty much it survivor's still going on i know you're not completely caught up but the last episode uh something finally happened so We'll have to talk about it next time. Uh, but the season finale is in a week, I believe. So Survivor 40, what is this, 43? 
43, I think. Finally about to come to an end. Um, you know, I would say about time. It's, it's been a long season. But, uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to you. I'm sure you have tons of backs. Yeah, I mean, uh, since we last watched, I, I've been seeing a lot, a lot of new stuff. A um, couple kind of got to see a couple things a little early. So got to see Glass Onion when it was in theaters for just a short yeah. week uh, before it releases on Netflix later in December. Um, jelly. You know, not a, you know, don't want to spoil anything. I'm not as high as I was on Knives Out. Yeah, because um, that's like your perfect movie of all time. I, I do you, love you Knives Out. Talk about that. It, but this is this is a very good movie. It Ryan Johnson knows exactly what he's doing, and if you know if Netflix wants to give him one billion dollars to make six more, I would actually be completely okay with it. Cont- continue doing your thing, Ryan Johnson. And uh, I think Janelle Monae going back to Moonlight is definitely the standout performance uh, for me. So. Uh, you know, maybe a best supporting actress nod. Who knows? Uh, another movie I had to see a little bit early that doesn't come out until December is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Cody. Uh, the <laughs> sequel to the uh, 2011 Puss in Boots film. Uh, you know, cute little story. I like Puss in Boots. I like cats. Uh, mm-hmm. This this one's very much Puss in Boots dealing with his more, more uh, his mortality and the fact that you know, his life may be coming to an end as he's expended all eight of his, you know, other lives. And, you know, he's on his final one. So I definitely related to that as, as a person who is getting closer and closer to death with every waking breath. Um, moving Christ. on, a uh, couple classics, uh, Source Code, The Proposal, um, oh. and Ratatouille all uh, were watched in the last week and a half. Uh, you know, they're all average fine movies to varying degrees. Source Code, another Chicago classic um what, any thoughts on those three movies yeah i have a gripe that you're calling ratatouille ratatouille is uh, just average. the most mid movie uh, of all time I, honestly i think that and uh wally are, are my two favorite pictures i love wally i i just think ratatouille is so overrated no i think ratatouille if we did a like a rating on it like that's 67 66 for me it's a classic animated pick my god okay <laughs> um and then in terms of uh, some more 22 releases uh holy spider which is this uh iranian film about a real life serial killer in the early 2000s um who was killing um prostitutes in uh in iranian city it's similar to zodiac in some ways but it it kind of switches back and forth between the the killer and the the journalist that decides to follow a lot and it, it focuses on the killer a lot more than zodiac does to to varying success at different points i think maybe it it spends a little bit too much time with him but uh a really shocking beginning and shocking end also checked out the uh glenn powell jonathan majors movie have you figured out who glenn powell is yet cody do you know who that is you still i have yes yeah, yeah. devotion <laughs> He's top gun too yeah uh, which is this movie about the Korea War. Uh, basically, the sto- I, I don't know. Just like not even a like, I don't know if they needed to make this movie. Like, listen, it's very cool. It's about Jonathan Majors, who was like uh, one of the first black pilots in the Navy, which is like an awesome story. But in terms of like what actually happens, maybe I don't. Are we running out of ideas for movies? I don't know. <laughs> Tough. The, I but Jonathan Majors that, is the best part of it. Yeah, I love Jonathan Majors. I think it's kind of funny, like, Glenn Powell's getting typecast as just like a pilot now. <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah. Two for two in 2022. <laughs> um, and then 
I also saw Strange World, which is the new Jake Gyllenhaal animated film. Mm-hmm. Not not great. Disney's, I don't know, Disney's been on a bit of a rough patch as of late. Uh, this is, I think, more in the light year territory rather than the like turning red territory. Um, or like Luca, I think those are two more successful Disney movies. Obviously, those are both Pixar, but yeah, I don't know. Strange World, it's fine. Uh, the resolution of what this strange world is, is very strange, and I'm not a fan of it. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> I also saw a documentary called Tantura, which is about the um, the war in Israel and Palestine in 1948, and how it's a documentary um, from an Israeli filmmaker about uh, basically a cover-up of a massacre that occurred at a specific village in 1948 and kind of the ways that the Israeli government and academia has denied this happening and even gone to like shun people who have tried to speak out about it. So um, really interesting film. And I also got to go to a Q&A with the director right after it, very small, intimate um, Q&A. And it was really cool to hear him talk. Um, definitely uh, would recommend checking that out. Might you know, make a, a best doc nom. Um, and then also the last one, my favorite of these 2022 movies that I've seen in the last couple of weeks is White Noise. It is absolutely insane. Uh, this movie will be coming out on Netflix in the next couple of weeks, but it's Noah Baumbach directed and written, starring Don Cheadle in a supporting role, as well as Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig as the two leads. I get why people aren't loving it that much. There is definitely some issues. The characters are insane. It's very just like the dialogue is... I've, I've described, you know, some of his and, and Gerwig's work in the past as almost being Sorkin-esque with how snappy it is. The dialogue is extremely intelligent, snappy, and boom, boom, boom. It's very similar to like Marriage Story and Myrith stories in that way. Um, but the reason I loved it is just because of the themes and this general feeling of anxiety, you know, similar to Puss in Boots about what it means to be alive and what it means to potentially be dying constantly. And as we approach that point in our lives, um, in the context of family and also in the context of like corporatized capitalized America, um, that stuff just, I really love. And I really enjoy, I actually just bought the book, uh, Don DeLillo Nava white noise that I'm going to, you know, pretend to start reading, but probably never will read. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, those, those are the movies I've checked out recently. <laughs> nice i love how you compare white noise to, to posted boots on their themes and stuff that's funny but yeah there it's actually kind of like it seems like a decent amount coming to netflix soon um that i'm excited about so glad to hear that you liked it and uh looking forward to the next episode uh, this weekend i'm gonna go see uh the whale with Brendan fraser and get a little awesome. darren aronofsky q a after that so definitely really? excited about that yeah that's dope i'm jealous of that as well crazy yeah. so we'll uh, i'll have the review for that in the next one awesome awesome well, this has been a, a fun top 50. Cody, uh, what's the clip of the week going to be? Oh, it's a tough one. What did I say earlier? I think, uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Whatever you I said should... earlier. There you go. <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, it's contactless. Go watch contactless. That's our clip Contact of the week. is the clip of the week. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Let's run the 10 minutes of audio. <laughs> right now. Do it right now. <laughs> you know what? I still don't think I quite get it. Maybe you could take this one for me, just so I can, you know, see how it's done. Man, fuck that, bro. You walk up the steps, knock on the door, put the pizzas on the ground, and walk away. People don't even want to talk to you anymore. They just want you to leave it at the door. Contactless. Come on now, I know you're not an idiot.
You've been following me around for like, what, two days? This is the last delivery and my phone just died, so I would really like to get back to the store. God, how is this the only job I could get? Listen, you got this shit. Go deliver the fuck out of that pizza. But what if- Dude, it... I've been doing this shit for three years. Three years. And the craziest shit I've seen is some dude wearing nothing but a crisp pair of white socks. At least he tipped well. Listen, man. I know you're a little jumpy, but at some point you're gonna have to step out into the real world. You can't live your life completely avoiding everything. Come on now, what's the worst that could happen? phone we need to call the police what the hell happened back there and my phone died because we sat in front of that house for 20 minutes remember we need to get help now do you not have a car charger like how is that even possible your job is literally dependent on your cell phone all right chill the fuck out like i said you were contemplating getting out of the car from 30 percent to zero percent okay whatever we need to go to the police finally something i can work with unsurprisingly i deliver to a ton of middle-aged cops Probably like half my business. You're telling me this dude's ear was completely off? Yes, how many times do I have to say it? I don't know, man, but that shit's pretty cool. Beats my naked guy story. Please, can we just report this and be done with it? So like you're saying it was completely cut off? Or was a piece of it missing like when Mike Tyson like I didn't order any damn pizza. Uh, sir, please, we need your help. I just witnessed something terrible and I think someone might be after us. All right, calm down. Just come inside, we'll ride around. Uh, please, sir, it's urgent. Hey, slow your roll, all right? Come inside, I'll write a report, I'll send a car, whatever, let's just, come on. Okay, I'll make a quick call down to the station, send a car down, what's the address? 206 West Elm, please tell them to hurry. Gotcha. All right, I'm gonna go check on him. Yeah, I'm telling you, your little problem just walked in my front door. Yeah. And he's with my pizza delivery guy. Small world. Listen, 
I'll take care of it. What the fuck are you doing? Run! Where'd you run off to? I was just about to fill out your little report. You know what? Fuck you. Little fucking twerp. You really had to show up at my house and beg for my help? Fortunately for you, I get paid to not care about what happens in that house. Now, if you ever want to see your sorry little friend alive, you'll go to the address I just texted you. And of course, don't try calling the police. Because I am the police, bitch. Why me? All right, I'm coming, David. Anybody order a pizza? Get out of the car! Timothy, get the fuck out of here! Shut the fuck up! You're just gonna kill us both, right? There's no way we make it out. I'm sure there's something to work out to make everyone happy. Come on now, what's the worst that could happen? I could think of a few things. <laughs> Who's gonna listen anyways? <laughs> I will. All right, well. Everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Peace out. Stay capping. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.